Greetings and welcome to Broken Boxes podcast. I'm recording this intro from a bathroom in a hotel in New York City because I started editing this episode between Sterling Hardro and Janupa Hanskaluger when I was in New Mexico. But it's almost a three hour long conversation, and so it took a little bit longer to finish it up than I thought, so I took it with me on the road. And I wanted to be sure that I gave a proper introduction. So, this episode of Broken Boxes, we present the fourth conversation between the acclaimed director and creator of the hit television series Reservation Dogs and our friend, Sterling Harjo, and visual artist and recurring host, Chinupa Hanska Luger. So in editing this almost three hour long recording, it solidified for me as the producer, the need to make their conversations into an official series. And so is born Long Con, a name for the series to play on words for so many reasons you can uncover in listening to these two chat, but ultimately speaking to the long conversation this work showcases. So this episode, the artists speak to hunting, land, fatherhood, growing up poor, the familiarity with relatives in prison, Reservation Dog Season 2, Sterling's Uncle Marty's Laugh, Taking the Time to Call Your Friends and Check In, Film Noir, Chinupa's Hats, Fashion, Ghosts, The Art World, Normalizing Therapy to Control Inner Chaos, Writing versus Directing, Confronting the Darkness in Life, Alcohol, The Gotham Awards, and Art Making, and What Part of the Process Brings the Most Joy, and What is the Hardest Point in the Creative Journey. If you have not heard the previous three episodes between Harjo and Luger, they are also quite long conversations about life, art, film, history, and everything in between, all informally shared from the lens of two Native American artists and friends actively participating for the record of the 21st century. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you like Broken Boxes, please follow us on your streaming platform and give us five stars so we can help reach more people. <laughs> We're trying to be professional. See the setup here? Uh, doesn't work, but good good try. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. Right. I mean, how can you be professional with that mustache? So. <laughs> Look at this thing. That is massive. Wow. You're really Sorry. so show, you're really showing your Norwegian today. <laughs> yeah, but it's been like six months. Yeah, <laughs> no trim. <laughs> Mine's so weak, dude. Like I don't know what to do. So here's the thing: is your mustache covering your lip right now? No. See, how do you have? So some people have like a longer thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have much area, but no. it covers my lip very fast. So I have to trim it. Which doesn't let it get full. I know, I know. I've I've been I've been cultivating this for a minute, and I just you know I make this face like a muppet, like a yeah. muppet mouth, and then I just take a scissor and I trim uh-huh. it right right along the lip. But I think my lips are too luscious for that, though. You know what I mean? You've like, got the luscious that? lips. I got there's a long. Too much, there's too much to cover. Look, I've the, got the the grays are coming in hot though. The the funny thing is the uh, the the profile. Like it's almost a a hair um Simpson. 
like my upper lip just feels yeah. like totally but my here's my profile they just shoot straight out <laughs> like i don't know how people get the mustache to go down mine go straight out like that. i know i know i it's a lot of oh, no. this it's a lot of this i'll, I'll be honest a lot of yeah. feeling yourself mm-hmm. because yeah. it it does when i sleep i'll wake up in the morning and all of these like will just be like jacked and then they're touching the hairs inside of my nose okay. so <laughs> i was having a conversation with someone the other day and one of my somehow one of my lip hairs was going into my nose and tickling my nose and i was just like i was like it was like i looked like they probably thought i was on cocaine because i was trying to yeah yeah was that on Zoom or in, in real no, life? No, it, it was in real life. It was a real life conversation. What? You talk to people in real life? <laughs> yeah, it's rare. <laughs> Hold yeah. on a second. I gotta I gotta put this hat okay. on my get my All bangs right. out of my out of my face. Been a minute, son. <clears throat> yeah, it has. Yes, it has. Too much. Too much time. Too much, girl, too much. There we go. Okay, that feels better. Now I'm not having to look around the microphone to see you. How's it going, dude? Fuck, you've been traveling, right? Uh, last year, 2022 was was nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because I'm like, you know, you make plans two years in advance, and then they throw a pandemic in there that's like two years long, and then so yeah, yeah. So like everybody who like said, all right, we can't, and then they all opened, and then. and then all the plans that I had made two years prior to, I had to, I had to do too. So la- last year was pretty nuts. We're, right. What have you been working on? Tell me. Dude, I've been making, I did paintings. I haven't touched a, a paintbrush in like eight years. And I did a bunch of paintings. I just uh, love like every now and then I catch up and like, I'll see like a video of you just like in some costume walking through the woods. <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. You've been, yeah, doing film painting. You've been fit painting and then films too, or what? Yeah, I just, I literally, dude, it's, it's not even fair uh, to talk about it because the speed at which I have to like produce things is right. like, is nuts. Right. So like I did six, I painted uh, five teepees, six technically um, teepee right. skins. You paint in, all of the skins. Cool. Yeah. 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 In a month, like one month. Wow. It was nuts. So I had to do it in the living room because my studio isn't tall enough, but our house is. And um, and then I just made, after I finished that, I finished that on the December 29th. I had to get them on the truck. You for, had the structure up in your living room? I just, I opened them up and I stretched them across my, uh, ah, my wall okay. and painted them in the, you know, open. Ah. And I'm presenting them open too. So I was like, I, I wanted to do some paintings, but I'm like, I don't want to paint on canvases. So I'm not, um, I'm not going to tell you how this came to be, Mm. but I have some land now Mm. and on this land, teepee poles. Like lodgepole pine or just a bunch of teepee poles? I I think lodgepole pine. I mean, like, (laughs) no, like teepee poles that have been, they have made a teepee before. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. you're you're like the dumping ground for teepee poles. No, I just somehow there was teepee poles on this land, like set up, ready to be put out, and 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 you can tell that I don't know anything about teepees the way I'm talking. So like, <laughs> uh, that's why I like told Bobby, I'm telling you now, like I need 
all your TP, all your TP living friends. <laughs> all of my TP living friends need to come down. We'll have ceremony. We'll, what are you we'll, saying? What we'll do you got? Our, we will erect our TP. So are they already trimmed? They're already. Tr- they're yeah. like ready. They're ready they're poles. Ready to go. Ready they're to poles. go. Ready to go. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. you need a skin. You need a skin. Yeah. I yeah. do need. Yeah. Uh, how many? Like it's a whole skin. bunch. <laughs> four. You need four. I'll take, I'll take a photo for you, just so you can have better knowledge. Yeah. yeah is it like? Is it like? Uh, um, were they producing them there, or you think somebody put up a teepee and then left the poles? Did you not hear the part where I said I won't tell you? Get into how they got there. <laughs> you didn't even get into how you got some land. You said that's the part I that know. you were like, well, that's, no, no, no. I don't want to get into how the teepee poles got there. I'll tell you how I got the land. I made a show called Reservation Dogs, huh? and shit got weird. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait a second. I can buy land now. And I was like, it's the first purchase I'm going to do. Or let me ask you this. Was it, you have to buy stuff? It was, I have to buy land. Right? What the fuck? So here's what I've done on my land that I bought. I saw that you hunted your, uh, a deer on your own land. That's huge. The first deer that I ever took down with a bow, I took down on my own land, which is crazy. Cause like, you know, season one reservation dogs was the episode where they're hunting Willie Jack and her dad. And that is based on me and my dad. Like we used to sneak off across our dirt road. And as a kid, I just thought like, damn, we can hunt anywhere we want, you know, but like, <laughs> as I got older, I realized, Oh, we're like poaching on some people's land. And like we, some Texas ranchers owned it. And so we would sneak across over there. And hunt, just like, I mean, just like kids in a candy store. Like, I, there was no worries. Like, I don't even think my dad was worrying. We would camp there like it was ours, like, uh, and we would hunt. And that's where my dad hunted my whole life. And so, um, and I remember this one moment where, this moment where I moved. It was the first time I moved from home. Mm-hmm. And I'd been going to school close by, but I ended up moving to Oregon. And, you know, it's that thing where, like, your dad doesn't know how long you're going to be gone or when he's going to see you again. And I remember my dad was dressed in hunting gear. And he was like, why don't you drive me down to the creek and I'll go into the land from there. And so, like, there were two entrances. You could either go in across from our house, across the dirt road into the field and then go into the woods. Or you could walk down the dirt road, go into a creek and then go up in there. And so... um, he was like, why don't you drop me off down here at the Creek and I'll, I'm going to go hunting. And, uh, I was leaving for Oregon. I was like, all right, uh, cool. And so I remember dropping him off and it being kind of emotional Him telling me bye and like not knowing when I'm going to see him again or not. And like you leave and you don't know what's going to happen or whatever. And we're driving away. And I just remember watching him in the rear view mirror and I could see him like walking up the road into the creek and then disappearing into those woods, you know? And these are the woods that we hunted. And it was what uh, Willie Jack and Leon hunting was based on. Cause like all that conversation was just me and my dad, like uh, talking about life and like talking about what I'm going to do and what he's going to do. And then like, you know, also like realizing that this isn't our land. Um, And, you know, um, just, I don't know. Like, I think there's something about hunting where like, there's two things that happen to me when I hunt. This only happens to me when I'm hunting or at ceremony. And I, 
uh, I'm very vulnerable. Mm. Both places. Like emotionally? Yeah. Like every, you're kind of freezing. Are you talking? Are you there? No, I just, that's how I move Wait, now. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a zoom person. You so talk telepathically. Cause I didn't see your mouth move. <laughs> it's the lip. It's the mustache. <laughs> you're like Sam Elliott. <clears throat> um, no, so there's two places. So I feel very vulnerable when I hit those spot, those two places. And it's, it's something about like being away from all of the things that you hide yourself from with, you hide yourself with a lot of things. Right now I'm hiding myself with marijuana and whatever, and you know, like all the work that I got to do and whatever. Um, and then, but then you go out there and you go to ceremony, you go out there and you have nothing except yourself and what's inside of you. Right. And that's, that's true with hunting as well. Right. You're like, I got everything that fits in this bag. Right. And, and that's it. And you're, you're there in a tree or whatever, <laughs> just like, like a crocodile. With- <laughs> just dealing with your shit just dealing with you and that's all you get to do when you're hunting is deal with you and then like five percent of it is hunting you know like, okay well, really hold on. The, there's something else in that too um right. quiet you got to be quiet yeah. like not only okay. is it just your stuff but you also have to reserve yourself right like uh, in both situations both hunting situations. And ceremony, right? Like you can crack a joke in anywhere in either one of those things, but there is like a, there's a, a reserve, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, like, um, it took me a while to make those connections. I just remember like, you know, like it's usually a process at both places where, um, I have my, my nerves are set off and I'm just like anxious and I'm like, oh, and like every bad thought, because I'm like OCD anyway, you know, like, like Willie Jack's dad's based on me. Like his, like some of his OCD shit. Like I'm like, I was talking to my therapist, I'm a therapist and I was talking to her the other day and I'd read an article, just the headline. And it's because I don't read articles, I just read the headline. And the headline said, uh, like 50% of people have no inner monologue going on. And I was like, what? Like, I, I told her, I was like, I have a boardroom. I have a boardroom of people in an argument. Just like. <laughs> there's <laughs> objections. Right, right. I mean, people are sustaining, you know, there's a fight going on. And she was like, yeah, because you have OCD. And she was like, and I, I feel for people with OCD because it's brutal. Like, it can be brutal. And uh, so I'm out there in the woods, silence, just like by myself or at ceremony. And like all of the first thing that happens is anxiety. And it's just like all of my fears are just like, like mm. flowing and present. And then I can work through that and get to a better place. Um, and then with ceremony, I get to a completion where I feel like I've washed all of that away. And in hunting, if I get an animal... I feel like I and I and I and I've and I've I feel dressed the animal and all of that. I feel the same way. It's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything's kind of good, you know. Um, I don't. That's know like that one in seven, <laughs> right? Exactly. It never it doesn't happen a lot. So I have this land, you know, and like um, I was really excited about it. It was funny, like when I first got it, it was before I owned it, but I know the owner, and so he let me ro- go out there. And I rode on like a side by side, and I took my dad out there, and so imagine like. The hunting episode of season one is based on me and my dad. Not ha- you know we don't have land. And we had to hunt on these Texas ranchers' land our whole life, um, and we've since then leased land. Mm-hmm. 
every year we lease other people's land and go hunt. I remember one time we were on this guy's land, this white guy who owns a shitload of land, and we were on his land. We knew the owner. <laughs> we were walking back out of the woods, me and my dad, this a couple of years ago. And this guy in a pickup truck pulls up. He's like, hey, who are you? Like, hey, we were just calling, hey, man, how's it going? You know, like that's what's funny is like our greeting was like, hey, how you doing? His <laughs> greeting was like, who are you and what are you doing here? And I'm already furious. My dad is really cool with people like that. And so my dad's just like shooting the shit. Like, yeah, man, down here, you know, you seen anybody down here? Like, blah, 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 what's going on? You know, and I'm just like, oh, this guy's judged us already. <laughs> And I want to murder this guy, you know? And so my dad can tell too. So my dad's like in between me and him. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, fuck this guy. Like, fuck you. You don't ask me where I'm from or why I'm written this bitch, just like you are. And um, exactly, exactly. And so it turned out he was also leasing land. He was like, and he called the owner. The owner came down and the owner's just like, oh, how's it going? How's it going, Brownie? Talking to my dad. (laughs) And, um, Dad's just like, oh, you know, like I'm pissed, but my dad's cool as cucumber. And like um this guy, this like kind of good old boy, thought we were uh poaching on the land, which I mean I shouldn't even be upset because we've done this before, but like right. we were we were legit this time. <laughs> we're actually but, leasing. But you don't get caught when you're actually poaching. <laughs> right, exactly. We wouldn't be stupid about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we're it was chill. Right. So uh, anyway, I take my dad to this land, and my dad, we're in Tulsa at the house, and we're, I'm taking, I'm driving him out there, and he's just kind of like, oh, you know, like, he's like, so is there woods there? And I'm like, dude, it's land. Like, you don't know what, like, my dad's thinking, like, it's, like, whatever, like, close to, because it's only, like, 30 minutes outside of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. So he thinks it's still city. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, this is land. Like, we're, we're it's going to be land. It's land. And so we get out there, and as soon as we get out there, he's just like, holy shit. And we go up into the side by side. I'm driving him around the land, and he's just getting pumped about all the things that are possible. He's like, "I'm going to build a cabin over there," and like, and then he's like, uh, and then at one point he's like, starts yelling. Uh, he just starts yelling at them. I wish I was filming at the time. He starts yelling at the top of his lungs. He's like, "Fuck you! We don't need your fucking land. We got our own fucking land. I don't even own it at this point, by the way." And he's just like, "We got our own." fucking land we don't need your fucking land he's just like oh yelling God. he's just like yelling into the trees you know um it was awesome i wish i was filming it um but yeah you know it's like uh just a crazy thing like is you know what's interesting i was like my buddy was like building this um event center a friend of mine was building an event center there where like people could go to the country and get married right and on this um, land like the land you yeah. got okay <laughs> yeah and so all that he had built so far was like the building that would be the office and then mm. a cabin. And he was going to build a bunch of cabins where people could stay. And then there was going to be the main place where people get married or whatever they do, you know, receptions and stuff. Um, and his dad passed away two years into the project. And I mm. happened to ride. I just knew that my buddy had developed stuff like that. He's always doing some cool shit. And so I just texted him. I was like, Hey man, like, let me know if you see any land. I, I'm trying to get some. And he, and he wrote me back was like, I might be willing to get rid of, like get out of from under of this if you want to do it. And so I went out there and he showed it to me and it was perfect. It was like, so it's going to be like crazy Eagle media headquarters, you know? And, like, hmm. uh, uh, and so I, so instead of building all the cabins and all the thing, I just took the main office area and it's going to be my, my, my studio office. And, you know, if I want to crash there, there's a cabin. So it's like perfect. 
Is that really cool. is that on Muskogee land? Like, is it is it? Um... That's outside of Muskogee land. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, I'm uh, I've entered into Pawnee land, and I'm I'm uh, counting coup in the oh shit. <laughs> So, so on the Pawnee so, side, so you're still stealing animals. You're still poaching. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm just, I'm just claiming it for Muskogee territory. <laughs> I learned it from watching you, Dad. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> didn't need it. They didn't need it. <laughs> they didn't need it. It'll come back. You'll take care of it in a good way. Yeah, exactly. I'll give it back to them, and then you know, hey guys, there's TP pulls. Just come on down, pick them up. Two people, we can all. Those are Pawnee poles. Right. Those are Pawnee style poles. <laughs> oh, shit. What's happening? What's been happening in your life? I want to have a cigar. I know. I'm doing this in my bedroom. So there's no smoking in here. Oh, you usually do. That's usually in my studio. What happened to your studio? Nothing. Cold? No, I just uh, better sound equipment up here. Oh. I, yeah, Ginger was like, I, I did a couple for her using this. We've been kind of going back and forth, oh. and I've been like supporting interviewing more. And yeah. uh, she's like, it's just use the equipment. It's better. Going out there. Cheer Not about life. you. Yeah, yeah. Quit acting cool out there. The internet doesn't work good out there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we've been, we've been good, dude. I, I fell into the same scenario, which was like, like I'm, I grew, you know, I'm good at being poor, like yeah. good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like it though. Well, I'm, it's it's acclimation. You you like I, it, it. Just acclimated, you know. Yeah. Just acclimated. Like, what do you mean? Tell me. Well, I mean, like, um, I was used. I, I was used to that water. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was cold. It's cold as fuck. Yeah, I'm used to it, so right. I can swim all around. Uh, you know, dive. I can do all this you, stuff in it because I'm snow. acclimated. Yeah, <clears throat> hey, yeah, acclimated. All right. But this year had, um, you know, we, we've been on the hustle, making making work and and getting stuff done, and it put me into another. So what you're bracket. saying is, was like, hey, listen, this is cool and all. I'm just uh, like, we make a living here. I was like, does your homie got any more land? Because I need to. <laughs> <laughs> you got any more? Do you want to get get out get out from underneath? Uh, the ponies be real mad if the Lakota came down. I want some Muskogee land, dude. I want some of that. <laughs> No, but I I was trying. We got we got twenty acres up here. I bought out uh, Ginger's brothers. They all shared a property between like Glorietta and Madrid. Oh, but that's pretty. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's completely different from where we're at. You know, like we're up in the woods. We got trees uh-huh. all around. Um, we get no sunset, no sunrise. This place is all sunset, all sunrise, but n- no trees. Like pretty pretty deserty. Beautiful, beautiful. But pretty deserty, and I had to buy a truck. So those were the things. You had a truck. You had a truck. I had, a, yeah, I had a, t- a Tacoma, but I had to get like tax truck, you know. So I had to get like a six thousand pound truck, and like, uh, the whole stuff or what? To what? Just a write off, honestly. Yeah. And uh, oh, we're talking write off. Yeah, we're talking. It. We're talking write off. This is what. I, this <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like, can you believe this? Like. <laughs> Remember old conversations we used to have that would not be talking about write-offs. Totally. But this is what I'm saying. Like there are these interesting moments in a person's life where you like grow and learn and all this sort of yeah. stuff. And I'm like, 
nobody ever taught me any of that. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm good at being poor. I was good at being poor. And I don't know how to like adapt to the other thing. I was making a film with you in it, Love and Fury. I remember one of the darkest moments of my life. If you mentioned coming into a bathroom in... No, no, no. no. That was beautiful. That was, you know... Go ahead. The darkest moment. One of the... Not... I mean, like, relatively. Like, as far as, like, financial, you know. And um, I'm about to film Micah P. Henson in a boat venue. So it's like a club that's in a boat in the waters of Paris right there. I'm about to go in there and film. I just had an amazing meal having fun, had a drink, ready to go, ready to film. I get a call. Tax man. Uh, Back home in Oklahoma. I'm in Paris, you know. I get a call. <clears throat> He's like, he said, are, first thing he said, are you sitting down? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, on a but, boat in Paris. No, no <laughs> but lay it on me. Yeah. Uh, he was like, so you know, so basically, I had three years of taxes that I did not do, just didn't do them. You know, I know you know something about that, just didn't do them, mm-hmm. and uh, made some money. But like, when you don't aren't responsible and you don't put the money back, it doesn't matter how much you make at all because you think you made all that, but you mm-hmm. didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't make all that, you made like half of that. You made like half of that. You should put the other half back. And then you made that much. Mm-hmm. But when you just keep it all and you're like, I'll deal with the taxes later, you think you made all that and you did yeah. it. <clears throat> so he calls me. Are you sitting down? I'm like, no, but tell me. Uh, he's like, you owe. Basically, he was like, you owe $30,000 a year for the last three years. Damn. And I'm like, I didn't have. I had like two grand in my pocket you know or not pocket but bank and i'm just like oh fuck like what do i do you know like what and i was like all right thanks and then i went and filmed this thing drank too much because i was just like what do i do and then i gotta worry about this for like i think oh yeah i think we went to see you in england after that yeah because you're broke i'm worrying about that the whole time i mean i'm in like fucking England with you just yeah. like stressing out about this shit. Then I got to go home and deal with it. But like, part of that is like living the way that we live. Part of that is jumping off cliffs and not caring and going like, I'm going to make it happen somehow, you know, and totally. like, sometimes that stuff works, you know, and it worked because right after that, I sold a pilot to a TV show, to a, to a network or streamer made the money just to pay all of that off and then put money back for taxes for that. And then mm-hmm. I had a work coming in and I was good, you know, so totally worked out. But I was like, you know, I was Googling like Wesley Snipes, like we went to jail for how many years for how much tax evasion? Like what, you know, like when do I get in trouble? When do I go? Wait, to jail? Wesley Snipes did? Dude, they made like a fucking um, example out of him. He went to prison for like years for like not paying some taxes Damn. As did, as did uh, Lauren Hill from the Fugees. Huh. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's how I honestly, like, you know, I've got an accountant now. I've got, like, doing all of my back taxes. I'm not going to say, like, what I know about you from the past, but I will say that when you told me about your tax situation one day, I was like, like, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the, but the thing was, is like, I wasn't making money. You know what I'm saying? Like I was below the poverty thing, which is what kind of generated the like, fuck it. What's the point? If I, if I, if I draw attention to me, right, then, not making a lot of money, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and also I was like, I'm not Wesley Snipes. But by the like, time that I talked to you, though, you were starting to make money. I think. Well, and that, and that was the that was the thing. So, and then uh, and also I know Ginger, and I'm like, she's not going to let that slide too long. Like, she's going to whip this boy into shape. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, he's gonna um, have a bow tie on the next time I see him. He's going to. My account. I got one on talking underneath. About but numbers keep it stuff. real. But no, my accountant is an old DJ friend of, uh, of Ginger's, like for sure. And so that, yeah, that that was legit. My accountant, the guy that called me, uh, is Joy Harjo's husband. So like I had my, you know, my Muskogee Creek accountant thinking yep. like, oh, we're going to figure this out together, you know, and then he's just like. Nah, you owe some money. Yeah, yeah. Sit down. <laughs> an accountant down. is an accountant. If an accountant is a good accountant, they know numbers, you know? Yeah. Know. And the thing about him is he deals with artists, you know, he's obviously married to one. So he knows how like <laughs> crazy our shit is, you know. Totally. And yeah, just trying to figure out how like what goes back into the practice, you know, how much yeah, all of that stuff. I don't even know. My mom was trying oh, to yeah. talk I mean, to like, me. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's about the thing it. that like uh Oh, and her husband would talk to me about is he's like, what's your overhead? Like, how much are you investing in this? Like, what are you? I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? Look, I, I pay, I pay somebody I that money. Like, that's what I do. You know, like, there was no extra anything. Surround myself with enablers. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about this money comes in, it goes out. It's a cycle. It's a circle. It's a, it's a little fluid system. Right, right. Works I let well. it wash over me and then leave. Yeah, totally works. <laughs> works out fine until three years later when you're like uh, trying to do your taxes and then you're like, uh, yeah, somebody else is doing it. That's great. I, you know, I, I, I oh, would not trust me to do it. Look, like, we're not like Chanoop and I are not bragging people. <laughs> we're not sitting up here like trying to act better than anyone. We have struggled. There's been a lot of no money. There's been fears of prison time. There's been lots of things. And we are finally, we finally made a little money and we're trying to make ourselves legit here. Yeah. But it is, it is funny. We're, uh, let's also mention the fact that I am a middle-aged man, you know, like I'm in the mid, I'm in the middle of my age. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, well, what I mean is 40, I'm going to be 44 uh, next month. Right. And there are certain like responsibilities, right? That, that fall. I got two, I'm a dad. I got two kids that, that whole system that we were kind of like forced to navigate. We, I came into it with no training, like no training. Oh yeah. You know, I got, my dad is a cattle rancher. He keeps his books as close to his like chest. I have no, idea. he never taught me anything about any of that. Right. My My mom's an artist. My dad didn't have books. You know what I mean? I mean, I knew nothing about money, financial structuring, or anything. You know, right? Why? Right. That's what I'm my saying. Mom like much better, but I didn't learn any money stuff from her. Yeah, she, my, I think my mom recognized that I was too far gone, and she just kind of stayed away. You know, like didn't tell me how to do it. You know, totally. My mom was just having a conversation with me like a few days ago about um, all of this stuff, and I was like, I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. 
<laughs> Dude, I know. I mean, and, I'm, and and like the thing I didn't say was like, and it's kind of your fault. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a contract or something and I'll just be like, sign. I don't fuck. What are you, what, like, what is it? What, like, what are you talking about? Like, which is bad. I shouldn't do that. It's to- yeah, totally. Totally. I know receipts, all of that stuff. This is, this is that middle of the life stuff, you know, that we're all supposed to have learned at some point along the way. Um, Cause we were fucking off being artists. Totally. Totally. And the thing that is, that's difficult around that is not many people can like do it, you know, like it's, I think anybody could do it if you have the, the like stubbornness, you know, right. to, to, to go through. Um, because like you said, yeah, there were some, well, I could tell now I didn't have, I didn't have the infrastructure of in my brain, much less my my business, but what I recognize now is I didn't have it in my brain. And now I have it in my business and my brain knows what I need to do. It's still not made up of that, but like, I can just put it together now and hire someone to do it for me. You know, but like, I didn't know, no clue. It was just not made for that. I know we should probably change the subject because the truth of the matter is us two talking about financial stuff is like a fucking Muppets uh, uh, infomercial. (laughs) 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 You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Oh, man. Let's start the podcast. (laughs) The head snapping back. Oh yeah, yeah. That's nice <laughs> to you. All right. Uh, yeah. Do you listen to music, Chanupa? What's that? Do you listen to music? I don't listen to music. You I don't really. Do you? No, no I. Really, I, I, really, li- I listen no, to music. Because like, like, like you remind me of Bobby Wilson. Bobby Wilson for a long time didn't really like. He listened to music, but like he didn't have like a favorite musician where he could be like, "Oh, I love this person. I love that person. I love this person." You know? Yeah. No, I would say uh, there's there's some similarities in that. Right. I I um I always like I know Ginger has like favorite music, right? Like mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah. Well, and it mine just goes in waves, and what it ends up being is now like it used to be back when. Remember CDs? <laughs> uh you talking about C- compact, compact discs? You remember CDs? <laughs> <Yes>. Compact discs. <laughs> yes. Um, I'd get like an album and then I would just listen to that. Like, who's my favorite band? The the one that I have, you know, that's my favorite band is the one that I have. And I never had like, you know, my cousin had like this, you know, fat albums of tons. And I'm like, I'd even choose. I do remember talking to you music some. like. Um... Yeah, Nathan, what's that? The 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 night sweats guy. The oh yeah, Nathaniel Nathaniel yeah, yeah. Ratliff. Nathaniel yeah. Ratliff. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Just yeah, and, and like I don't know, Coulter. Well, I think our country tastes are very similar. You and right. I, right? Um, I know you shared a Coulter Wall, Tyler Childers, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Stur- uh, Sturgill, oh, Sturgill, <laughs> Sierra Farrell. I really like right now. She's awesome. Huh? Yeah. And I'll go in waves. And I, I honestly, I haven't. Um, what did I get into? Oh, uh, <laughs> worst name ever, Rainbow Kitten Surprise. 
Oh, wow. That sounds yeah. like my daughter named it. Yeah, totally. Totally. Check it out. It's not yeah. bad. It's yeah. not bad. Cocaine Jesus. I recommend it. And then uh, Shaky Graves. Oh, I like Shaky Graves. So the girl that I just mentioned, Sierra Farrell, has a song with Shaky Graves that I like a lot. Hmm. Yeah. What is it? It's called uh, The Weekend. I think something like that. Yeah, I've heard of that musician. Yeah, here comes the weekend or something. No, not that. It's like here comes the weekend or. Something. I know the song. I actually I know the song. Coincidentally, Shaky Graves for some reason was my uh, 2022 Spotify uh, musician rap rap of the year. Their yeah. year rap. Yeah. That was my that was my my rap. I was like, what? All right. Wow. Shaky Graves. Yeah, it was at the top of a playlist, and so every time I turned on my phone, that track would play first. Yeah. Um, and so number one. Speaking of number one, did you see that Reservation Dogs got named on an? Oh, that's crazy. So many Dude. number one lists, man. Yeah. Well, it one, it deserves it. It's right. made all. You know, I mean, qu- quality work. I'm sure you guys are. Are you guys writing right now? Yeah, literally. I mean, literally, I will get off this with you, and I will write until two a.m. Yeah. Well, that's that's that uh, that's that grit I was talking about. You know, last night I was writing until three a.m. Very dark uh, script episode, and I literally was like, "I think I hear something in the back of my house. I'm going to sleep on my couch tonight." And I slept on my couch. And I went to bed at like 3.30 in the morning, just like so tired, like woke up too late, like ruined my day. It's like right now is like the place where we're handing in scripts and finishing stuff for season three. And so it like a lot of times it feels just like nonstop writing. Yeah. So you heard something in the back of your house, like inside or outside? <laughs> yeah, inside. Uh, actually, at first. And maybe like after season three comes out, I can talk about this story because it has to do with the script that I was writing, but I was mm. hearing something outside. Then I heard something inside. And did I you write like, it into being? We'll find out. We'll find out. I think out. I did. I think it was what I was writing was coming. Like was, was something was around. Oof. There it is. I was like smudging, like you know, <laughs> burning. And, you know, I was like, uh, and I'm going to sleep down. on the couch. <laughs> yeah, I laid down with my sweet grass and sage in my hands and cedar just covered, covered myself in it, just on the couch. <laughs> just crumbled it, crumbled it. No, no, yeah. Yeah, it's like a big joint. <laughs> grab that, grab that quilt and just roll right. yourself up. Right, exactly. Exactly. That's Careful. Basic. Careful. That's how we bury people, you know. True. That's true. our way. Lakota way. <laughs> Wrapped up. Scaffold. You almost scaffolded yourself. Yeah, Pawnee too. I might have to not do that. You oh, better no. do something about those poles. That's that's somebody's home. Messing around with that. Trying to put it up. Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. Uh, come to New York uh, later this <laughs> shit next Giles, week. My, oh, yeah. Giles might help. Uh, Bobby and them said they would help Dallas when they come down. So Cool. All right, good. Well, if I could, if I could help in any way, please let me know. Yeah. Do you, uh, are they going to bring you a skin? Do you need a skin? I need a skin. Yeah. I have, I have a a, a little tiny one. Um, <laughs> like, look at that guy's poles are real big, but his skin is real small. <laughs> he must be Creek. <laughs> it's like a shade. It's like a shade <laughs> structure. <laughs> It's like one of those, uh, like, like one of those children's teepees. They, <laughs> the gap. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, the Gap ones. That's the one I was going to offer you. Smudged it. It was Kanye DPs for the children. <laughs> so yeah, number one list. It was cool. Like, um, you know, it's so cool that like native people love it. That's obviously who I made it for first. But then you get other people to like it. And it's like, man, like I, you just want to go like, are you for real? Like, you really like it? Like, what's up? You know, um, crazy. Like, I just talked to Bill Hader, huh. the comedian for like two hours. Well, really? Uh, yeah. Like got off right before this. And he just was that got, is that the cat who did Barry? Right. Which yeah. I love Barry. And like he got my and he's from Tulsa originally. Mm. I'd never met him, but he got my number from my manager and called me and was just like, Hey, I love your show. You know, like it's fucking awesome. And he was telling me that um Gilmo del Toro, and you know, he does Bill Hader does great impersonations, so I can't <laughs> do these. But he was telling me Gilmo del Toro was telling him how much he loved reservation dogs and was just oh. like, I know reservation dogs so much, you know, like it was so great. And then he was saying that Alfonso Caron, the the filmmaker of like Roma and things, like he he also uh said it was one of two favorite things that he's watching right now. So well, it's, it's it it is amazing, but it's also it's also a um I mean from a from an from an anthropological standpoint, there hasn't been a whole lot of work that like kind of talks about where we're at and who we are in any sort of way right. that is um a genuine point of reference, right? Right. And that's how you can get away with like um Avatar, Avatar shit, you know? I know. Which I haven't seen. I I see people coming down on that super hard. Um, I haven't I watched was, it. I walked out of the first Avatar um, with my daughter. I was like, fuck this movie. See, I could have done that too <laughs> with yeah. the first one. You didn't know? No, I, I mean, I watched the whole, I didn't oh, leave yeah. the, the thing, but right. as I was watching it, I was like, man, this is a man called horse again, you know, like. Dances with wolves or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. It's it's that that same kind of kind of story and narrative, which was always my, you know, I was like, right. All all of this technology, and you're reproducing a. What's crazy though about that technology is like it goes so far to where it starts looking. You know, it's like you like you know like technology is like pretty good, but it still looks fake. Then it gets really good where it looks real. Then it starts looking fake again after it gets too good. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, what are we doing? You know, yeah. like. I didn't watch it, so I can't judge, but like I, I just not interested, you know. Like I'm not interested in that story. Yeah. You know what's funny is my boys, and I don't know if your kids are are old enough now or in it in that sort of way, but my boys love like some retro throwback 16 like bit stranger things or something, or what? Like n- no, like they do a thing. One, EO, like drives Ginger nuts because when he he's making all of these movies right now, he makes like little animated uh, movies and things. But when he uses his mic, he talks like this, but like literally like swallowing and popping his peas. So when did he start making stuff? Like I want to get my kid into making. So he's interested. I'm going to get him a camera. Mm. What, like when did they start doing it? Like little animations. I mean, shit. When Eel was like four, he would fuck around with like my phone right and do stuff he would make like stop motion animations with legos and i would you know sit there and play with him and help you know right, right, right. help him build things he'd move them we'd record it and then he would do the voiceovers he loves doing the voiceovers on him oh my like god one hurts, of the- hurts dog voiceover on a oh, yes yes <laughs> well and doing all the voices for every one of the things that ginger has like in the archive of you know uh new parents right filming their kids all the time 
is Eel was, we were at a hotel uh, traveling somewhere and King of the Hill was on uh, TV and um, she had the volume turned all the way down and she's got a recording of Eo doing the voices for all the characters in King of the Hill in this episode. It is like one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. (laughs) It's so funny. Like they're trying to get hugs. (laughs) <laughs> that's hilarious it was it was amazing but what i was getting at was he liked making the sound shitty like he there there is a whole genre of young people who grew up with all of the technological Immaculate advancements sound. totally and they're like you know what i want is some like shitty recording you oh, know that makes sense man that makes sense like I don't know, because there's something very satisfying about like a recording that you can hear like the 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 needle on, you know, like popping, you know, like, mm-hmm. like there's something very satisfying. It's something that like automatically makes you feel um, taken care of. Like this is genuine and this is a real thing. It's like in our world, you know, like it's not just a digital file or whatever. It's like, oh, this was created somewhere, you know, even though most of it now is just like digital sound of a, of a needle, but like still, you know, there's something comfortable about that. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in the cloud, there was that original, that original sound. Original sound. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, my kids are, all, both of my kids have been like uh, the kids of like split up or divorced parents, you know, so you don't have that. Um, there is this weird thing with with having kids where like and especially when they're gone half the time, like last night, part of the reason that like I kind of got scared in the house, just like hearing stuff is because I'm, I was so used for the last five days. This house has been full of them. Mm. and their noises and i and I, I don't think that their spirit leaves you know like i can feel it and i walk around and i see there's toys laying out or whatever and it's just like whoa like this was here you know there was like this life here it was like full in this house and now it's gone and then and then so like the silence of the house becomes more silent you know? yeah or louder then, well yeah and then in that <laughs> silence noises are heard because it's so silent that you can hear things mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally hear. And that's what I think I was doing experiencing last night is like the silence was deafening in the mm-hmm. house. I could hear <laughs> things in it, you know, like, totally. yeah, I feel you on that though, because whenever ginger like takes the boys, like I was working up right. in the house, like usually I'll go down to my studio. I'm like, whatever happens on the studio, that's I, I built the thing. If there's knocks and bumps and stuff, then there's right. like a coyote or a wolf or something or a, a bear, you know, outside. Right. Like I right. know, I know what, what it is. Right. Right. But I was working up here in the house and painting and she would take the boys to go over to her mom's place or visit her brother and, Man, it is. It's weird when the when the sound is gone. It's like right. it's so quiet. I don't even eat. It's weird when they're when they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like I'm the ghost. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's nobody to prove me wrong. <laughs> Part of it. What, what I was bringing this up for is like I start thinking about like these kids and like. Uh, I think about you guys a lot because I always think like, well, they're doing it right if anyone's doing it right. But I think about stuff and I'm like, am I giving them the thing that they need? Mm. You know, and you're trying to like decide 
what is the thing, you know, and like wanting them to be interested in things. And then you're like, it's kind of a crapshoot, but like also it's your environment and things that are available to you. And I try to think of like, how did I kind of become an artist and like a filmmaker? Like I want to lay the things out for them, for them to take their own path. Um, but you still sometimes need to lay things out for people, you know? And I, and I always think like, what is that? You know, like, what, what, what is the thing? You know, it's hard. And then you have school or whatever that you're dealing with and friends and stuff. So, yeah. Laying thing at, things out, I think is, is the thing. Like if you can afford right. to provide more and more outlets, um, right. they will like material and equipment will always be used, you know, right. Right. poorly or brilliantly um right. but you won't know about the brilliance unless you have access to it you know and access is a hell of a drug you know yeah um and yeah i i worry about that sometimes myself i'm like is it am i spoiling our my children right. you know right. am i spoiling them but i'm also like if they have the capacity to um excel well, in things that i had no access to like right that's great. That's amazing. You know, and shit, man, like the world is changing so dramatically right now. Like I'm sure they will look back on their lives when they're adults and they're like, dude, we had nothing. <laughs> I, know. I know we were poor. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> well, like, I mean, like if you were to look at my life as compared to everybody else in my hometown, I wasn't like, we were on the lower side, I think of like, but like we had a, you know, we had an Indian home. It was like a HUD home, but it was like on an acre or two of land. Um, and when we first moved out there, there was not a lot of neighbors, but like we didn't have a lot, but I never went without, you mm -hmm. know, there was never a time where I was like, you're, you're like, you're going to go hungry for two days. You know, like that never was the case. Like if I was starving or something, I would have like went to a family's house or something, you know, like there was some, there was a community. Mm-hmm. And you would always get fed and taken care of or whatever. So I never, so like, it's like poor to not the point where you were without, you always had, uh, and you had some luxuries, but I look back at that and I'm like, wow, we didn't have a lot, you know, mm -hmm. like, especially compared to people that I know, you know, and how they grew up, like we didn't have a lot, but like my parents never let that kind of come to the forefront. It, I always felt taken care of and like we had it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There were some lean times in my life, but it was also we food. Food was the was the primary thing that was always provided. You know, right. it was like we you couldn't. My mom would not let us not eat. You right. know, and then she's got five kids, right? Like five kids. We literally ate most of her work. You know, right? Um, like most of it. And it's funny because these days she still has like a compulsion to keep her 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 like pantry full. Of stuff. How old were you when your parents divorced or separated or whatever? Two. I was like two. Two. So you don't remember much of them together, right? Mm -mm. No, I don't. I don't so have when any. You came online when you came online. You were living with your mom. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Then and then, who, what was your dad to you? Then was he just like your dad, who was someone you saw in the summers or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. still my. He was still my dad, but that was our <laughs> that was our relationship, right? Like I didn't have. I didn't have the longing or the loss sense, you know, like my older sisters were like, they definitely had like some chips, you know? Yeah. yeah. Where it's interesting though, because 
I don't know. Like it's so easy for, I think, men today or anytime that if there's not the constant pressure or like access to the children, if you're literally states away, like it's so easy for him not to have you, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, oh, like they're not in my life. So it is interesting and good that they, I think that they, at least like you were going up there in the summer and kind of having a relationship, you know, whether that was your mom or your dad or both or whatever. Um, Yeah. Dude, those, those in-between moments were always the the most difficult, right? Where you were changing from life. Right. No, I mean, that's the thing that I'm dealing with right now is one of the hardest things is for me and their mom is when they go to the other one's house. You you take them to the other one's house or the other one comes to pick them up and there's the shift and, you know, there's sadness there. Mm-hmm. But there's happiness and there's there's a conflict of like, I'm sad that I'm leaving you, but I'm happy that I'm getting to see my mom for a mm-hmm. week. And then when it comes the opposite, it's like, oh, I'm sad I'm leaving my mom, but I'm happy that I get to be with you for a week. And it's like, I hope it doesn't fuck them up, you know, like I, like I worry about that, but like, you know, I have a 22 year old daughter who did the same thing and Mm -hmm. there's some anxiety, but like for the most part, she's totally great. Like, like excelling at school at Pratt and Brooklyn and, you know, a great writer. Definitely. She's got my anxiety passed down to her. So like, there's that, but like, you just like, I think that all you can do, I'm one thing that I'm trying right now that I talked to my kid's mom about is like, um, not making too much of a big deal of anything like Mm. like making the transitions like a don't make it a party when they're coming to me too much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and or the flip side don't be too sad and wallow in that sadness too much when they go over there and just and i tried to explain to my son this time i was like look like this is what we do like you go over there and you have a great time with your mom and I love you and you can call me and whatever, but then you come back to me and then we have fun over here. You know, and this is like, this is how it goes. And there was something like, I almost felt like I felt like a spark. Of was like, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Of, of recognition. And that I said there that he kind of got it. And this time it wasn't as kind of sad, you know, like I felt mm. like it was more like, all right, give me a hug. All right. See you buddy. You know, like that. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah, exactly. Is that how you guys break it down week to week? Yeah. Right now we're trying it. Yeah, it was kind of like half week, half week, you know. But like mm. we're trying a week to week, which I mean, who knows? You can yeah. read it. It, it. There's benefits and there's there's not, you know. Like, uh, but we're loose and open, and like if you know if uh, we want to try and have a dinner together, like go see the kids, we can do it, or they can call or whatever, you know. So yeah, but yeah. you guys are relatively close too. I'm I mean, wise. super close, like like a twelve minute drive, you know. So yeah. 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 It was a trip. I think when my mom moved across the country, that's when I think it hit. How old were you in that? Um, I must have been, I don't know how old it is, but I know I went into second grade in New Mexico. So four, I don't know how old you are when you're in second grade. Older than four, I think. Yeah. Five, 12. Fourth kindergarten, I think. (laughs) Four is like preschool. Five is right. kindergarten, right. six, seven. You're about seven. Seven in second grade? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. About that. About that. Yeah. Seems like a long time. But I remember we when we moved, 
that was a thing. But I remember before then there was like this little tiny uh uh this place called Totten Trail that's on the it's like just over the Garrison Dam in North Dakota. Right. And that was the that's where they would like neither one would go all the way. There was this point. Me in the middle. <laughs> yeah. This meet in the middle joint. Um, and what I remember that learn, place. What did you learn at your dad's that you didn't get at your mom's? Like outdoor like horses and shit. And- yeah. I mean, my dad's place was was a was a ranch, but it was also like um it was like a job too, you know, like yeah. learned how to work. You had to work, you know, you were a free hand that mm-hmm. came up in the summer. <laughs> totally, totally. And that's like, you know, by and large, what the when I was younger, that's what I thought of our relationship, you know, was that it was like summer, summer hands, you know, which is great right. because we got to move all this cattle. We got to brand them. We got to put up hay for the winter. Like right. I get, I get this. Like, was there a point where you hated it and then switched into loving that? Um, no, I think I always liked it. I didn't, oh. you know, I, 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 there were one, I hated Arizona. I hated it. Yeah. So yeah. going back to North Dakota always felt like going home. I had all my cousins, um, yeah. my, you know, but hanging out with my, my brothers and Why did my you cousins, Arizona? that's where my mom moved. Not New Mexico. Well, we moved to New Mexico first, but we're only here for like a year, year and a half, and then moved to Arizona. Got it. And is she still there? No, she's like 15 minutes away from me now. Oh, cool. Yeah. She lives in New Mexico, lives in El Dorado. So we go over and visit and yeah, hang out, stuff like that. It's pretty wild, but I think I think there that distance, you know, is what really kind of like n- nobody was ever. I, I just remember like trying to call my dad and talk to him about stuff. One, he's also he's also like not the best communicator. Like talking right. to him on the phone is like uh, like. I don't know, yelling into a canyon, you know, you're like, you get this echo. Is there sadness in any of that? Because I don't feel like there was when you talk about it ever. No, but I, the thing is, I don't have a point of reference. I didn't right. lose didn't anything. It wasn't there. Right? I wasn't missing anything. It was, that's what it was, you know, um, which was fine. It's funny though, because like, uh, as he's gotten older, like our relationships have shifted and changed as he's like yeah. opened up, become more vulnerable right. and all of that sort of stuff. And he's a grandpa now. Totally, totally. Grandpa now. I think my like brother's taking on a lot more of the work. Like he's just a work guy, you know. He likes yeah. to. Like, I think ranching demands that that you're always on, you know. Yeah, I mean, most ranchers are just like sun up, sun down. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, and I think there was a point as I got like probably like mid teens, late teens, where I was like, ah, you know, and I didn't have the words for it, but I understood it. I was like, this is his love language. Like he's teaching me lessons in all of this sort of stuff because that's his capacity to like care, you know? I get it, dude. Like I, 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 so I have this land now and it's like all of us, it's like, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but like if you have a domesticated pig and you, it escapes from the pig farm. Three days. Three days and they're wild, right? They're (laughs) snout crows. That's me. Like I've got land and all of a sudden I'm just like, Worried about like the trailer to put the side by side on to take it into town to get it like serviced, and then like you know like uh, I need to build fence here and like uh you know like it's just like I'm gonna plant some like 
you know, I'm going to plant wheat here and like get the deer in and like maybe some like clover field, you know, like that's like, it's like literally it was like overnight. And then like my kids, you take my kids, these city dwellers, you know, like, like if anthropologists would call them not cave dwellers, but city dwellers and they mm-hmm. lived in the city and all they know is like, you can go to the coffee shop and get a chocolate milk if you go there with that, you know, and like if you go to a quick trip, they have great donuts, you know, and I take them out there and it's like where the wild things are. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like all of a sudden one of them, they both got staffs, walking sticks, they're running around, you know, like their knees are scraped up. It's like total freedom and they love it, you know, and it's great. It's been great for that reason. Yeah, I think we definitely as a as a species, we're probably the quickest to go feral. <laughs> out of the mammals right right yeah i think domestication or this notion of domestication is takes incredible effort like incredible effort and it's like just try not doing any of the stuff that it takes to like maintain all of that it's It's crazy man it's like you know it's so i think like artists might know this better it's so easy not to do what society wants you to do like it's the easiest thing for me. It comes so naturally, but like, it's the easiest thing, and we all do it. We all like try to do this, you know, this fucking thing, you know, like. Yeah, um, but it takes incredible effort. That's the. It's like it's like all of these hoops, these ladders, these things. Like, you get trained to like jump. <laughs> taxes. Yeah, totally, totally, exactly. We started out this whole conversation right, about right. like our experience of navigating the system, but we're like, you put up a ring and you convinced me to jump through it, and you gave me a little bit of food on the other side, you know. And I'm like, great, thank you. That was dry. Your kibble was dry, but thank right, you. Right. I jumped through the hoop. That's easy. I can jump through hoops. Big deal. Right, right, Big fucking right. deal. I'm smart. I'm real smart. I talked about this though. I think when we were in England together. Like you and I have this concept of money that is just like pff, whatever it can be made. You know, what we I mean? should talk about money. You and I, we that's that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but this is the opposite of what you shouldn't do. And we were like this, which is mm. like, oh, doesn't matter. Like I'll make it. Like 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 what? Like it's just there. Like we'll just grab it and just so, like you know, it's a fluid system. Just let it wash over me. It'll be it doesn't fine. matter. It doesn't matter as much. Happiness. It doesn't provide happiness. Here's what money does provide, which is freedom sometimes. Two, do what you want to with it. And if you choose to be happy in that freedom, then, you know, then good on you. But like, you know, it doesn't cause happiness for sure. Yeah. But it's a zero sum game. Like that's the fucked up scenario about it, right? Like your freedom ends up costing somebody else's freedom you know what i'm saying like the i was just thinking of uh what you said earlier is that like we're like muppets talking about (laughs) (laughs) so sophisticated so sophisticated so ridiculous like you look back to like two years ago like there was no talk of money because none of us had it well even still it's it's abstract in my head like right it it, it exists as an abstract in my head. And I'm always like, what What are the, what's the thing I actually need? Like on the, you know meme? what I'd like to do, by the way, I love that you and I, like, I'd rather see you in person for sure, but there's something really cool about only catching up like this. <laughs> like here's an experiment. 
and I, I don't want to do this because it would mean not seeing you ever, but could be really interesting to go the rest of our lives. Just like this. Only talking like this <laughs> until a certain point in our life. And then we come together and we continue these conversations in person. Obviously, I'm a filmmaker. I'm thinking of it as like a documentary about two, a friendship, you know. And probably I'm only thinking of this because I just watched this movie called Nomad about this. Um, it's a Herzog movie about this. Oh, yeah, I watched uh, that. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. Like, just like tracing the steps of a friend and like this friend happened to be like interested in Aboriginal songs and like that whole thing. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah, no, that's it. Was a that was a good one. I am such a I'm I am a Herzog fan. I, I uh, do. Yeah, just, I subscribe. I subscribe. I hit. Subscribe. I subscribe totally, yeah. totally. I like and I subscribe. <laughs> well, I love that. Like his films don't have the normal immediacy that like a documentary has, or this like reveal. Like they are just like they don't exist unless he created that. So he could show these landscapes. And he's the only one that would show those. And he ties them into certain things. And that and that's what the documentary is. It's like his thoughts and dreams. And like I love that about it. You know, it's not like documenting a person, you know, or like whatever. Like uh it's just, I don't know, it's his brain. And then it's mm-hmm. like laid out like that. I love that stuff. Totally. Well, and then you watch enough of them and you 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 feel like you understand him and you're kind of <laughs> excited to like navigate those that field. Right. And then you're like, where are you going with this? <laughs> Where are you taking me? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, I'm down, but where are we going? I wish I could do his his voice better because he's got some funny fucking lines, man. I like, know he's got he's got to know that he's delivering them in ways, oh, yeah. right? Like you you have to know. Yeah, I just I read a book. It's called uh, Con- "Conquest of the Useless." It's right there, and um, mm. it's about the making of his film Fitzcarraldo. It's like his journals, and in this, like I guess, like. Something about like what he was going through mentally at the time. He he said he just wrote like volumes of notebooks of and and they were really tiny letters, like super tiny. You almost had to get a magnifying glass to see it. And it was just journals that he wrote about his time making this film. And you know, it's so great. Like his just his thoughts. Like I might be out there on the Amazon in the jungle, like thinking about how beautiful it is or the sky looks or like the birds that I hear. And he's just like, I'm sitting there and I see a chicken and it's then a snake comes up and eats its head off. You know, it's like, that's what he sees because like he almost like manifests that shit, you know, it's like like the fucking depravity of situations and stuff. It's crazy. Well, and the reality is, is like, that's all around you all the time yeah. like you know it's like that the, it's we choose to see it too you know totally like, yeah it depends on what you choose to see i know i watched a i watched a really incredible film uh but true wonderful film called troll oh uh, uh, <laughs> the, well, the troll the horror film uh yeah kind of but it's like new it was like a new oh i heard of it yeah yeah it's like a kaiju film but with a troll huh scandinavian there, there was a moment in it where they he stated something that I have had in this conversation many times um, with with other folks. But uh, he was like, you know, how seeing that statement, seeing is believing. He was like, 
sometimes you also have to believe in order to see, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've like definitely That's driven. True. Yeah. I mean, for sure. That's you true. Free, open the platform. <laughs> you know how Reservation Dogs ends season two? It ends with white Jesus giving a real quote from Jesus that says, um, blessed of those who are who have not seen and yet still believe i still believe and it's like the the idea of belief you know like i wanted to end the show with that like they didn't have to go to california but they believe that they should you know and there's something in that in the humans that i think is beautiful which is like <clears throat> like we still find reasons to believe we still like in whatever it is not saying it has to be religious even but just like just the the belief in like i have a reason to get up in the morning you know and it tied in so perfectly where it's like you know the saxophone guy from the lost boys Tim. Capello, oh my god yes thank you believe. for that <laughs> and what's great is like at the so what happened was i was like um a buddy of mine was talking to me i was like i'm in i was telling him i was like i was at a coffee shop I was like i'm ending the episode with tim capello playing the sax and saying i still believe and then it's going to go into his song i still believe and he goes you know that's an oklahoma band that originally did that song and i was like what he was like yeah he's like it's called they're called the call from the 80s and the lead singer was from here no way like, no fucking way and so i go and research and sure enough i still believe it was written by this oklahoma guy and i was like fuck of course i'm putting that version at the end so the song at the end credits is actually the calls version of i still believe it's great are you worried that you're going to create some sort of black hole in Oklahoma where everything just spirals into? I am. I am because like I even there was another. Um, I did not know the song uh, Manhattan Serenade by Leon Russell. I should have, but I just I, I know a lot of Leon Russell, but I didn't know him. He's from Tulsa. And I had this song by um, Vincent Neal Emerson, who I introduced uh, Ginger to, this like native country guy. <clears throat> and I had that guy, this song in my head, and he does Man uh, Manhattan Serenade, Serenade. So beautiful. And I had it in my head, and I knew I was going to put it in the Willie Jack Goes to See Her Auntie in Jail episode. I knew I was going to put it there. I had it in my head the whole time. And... As I'm about to do it, I realize that it's Leon Russell song. It's a cover, mm -hmm. Leon Russell song from Tulsa. And I was just like, man, just all makes. I'm just like, I'm just like a basking shark, just like my mouth's open. I'm just drinking it all in. Has it driven the like? I don't know. Everywhere I traveled, you know, in the last couple of years, there has been this influx of urban dwellers into rural regions. Has has the success of this affected that in Oklahoma at all? Have you seen Maybe, that in it Oklahoma? Was, it was already happening though. Yeah, because of the pandemic, people were already moving here. You know, so I don't know. Uh, I mean, here's an example: Brett and I and the kids were at dinner the other night, and we got finished and paid. We're walking out of the restaurant, and I hear someone say Sterling, and I turn, and it's this couple, and they are like hey like we're driving from new orleans back home to saskatoon and we decided to drive through here we're big fans of reservation dogs and we're sitting here looking at you and i had this hat on and they're like he's got a catfish hat on it looks like him it's got to be him so they just like called my name out and like they were like holy and i was like dude and you guys drove through because they're like yeah we're big fans of the show we're gonna go to the bob dylan center tomorrow and whatever i was like holy shit like awesome you know 
crazy. That is wild. You know that that old saying: you can't uh, can't be a what is it? Shit ass. You can't be a shit ass in your own hometown. <laughs> oh no, there's a little bit of that. Like people here don't care, which is cool. I mean, they do care. Like, I get a lot of people come up to me and and the grocery store and stuff, and they're like, "Love your show, man!" Like all of that, which is cool. But like they also like you know, it's like I'm here, so people don't not as people don't make as big a deal about it they love the show but like uh, they just kind of leave me alone about it you know or whatever but i you know i get a lot of encouraging words and stuff which is really cool yeah yeah that is cool nobody encourages me i'm jealous you don't need it i mean just think how big your head would be if you (laughs) your head would be as big as mine if you got If you got oh, any shit. kind of encouragement, it would fucking be off the charts. I know. I, I'm like periodically you actually have a bigger mustache. And... Well, I got to be honest with you. The computer camera, like, is quite generous on uh, facial hair. Oh yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks better with my oh, yeah. head two inches tall, you know, an inch and right. a half, than it does at full scale. You know. Did you see when Bobby grew a mustache? <laughs> No. Did he look like a catfish? I feel like he's always had like a little bit of a... He did. It looks like a catfish mustache. Yeah. He grew grew up when he was in Rutherford Falls. He had a mustache. I do recall that. I do recall that. You know what's messed up? Where it's the fullest is just this much. Which I'm like... You can't shave just to that. (laughs) (laughs) You will get canceled, son. I know, I know, but that's where it's the fullest is right there. I was like, hmm. There's another man in history that thought that. And Michael Jordan. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking. I am not the goat. It is weird that I haven't seen you since I made reservation dogs, I think. Like I know. We've had we've had these calls, and I'm like, you know, that little thought experiment that you had about maintaining a friendship through Zoom and, yeah. and recorded conversations, like Let's just do that because seeing each other if we do, like whatever. Yeah, because what I mean, it's already been like what three years? We've done three of them. We could we keep I think we should keep doing them and just like you know, keep doing that shit. Well, I like being able to see you and to chop it up and stuff, but I'm like, when was the last time we hung out? Was that in yeah, it was a long time. Was it England? No, it was LA. Oh, that's right. We had pancakes. We had pancakes. You were staying at that uh, that boutique hotel. Silver Lake Pool and Inn. That, yeah. And then that place that we got pancakes closed, which was my favorite pancake I've ever had in my life. Oh. That just means you get to find another favorite pancake. That's right. That's a gift. It's a gift the universe gave you. It's funny. I wish I could tease season three out for you. Like, I know you um, can't on this. Also, like... We had these talks and then we would shut it off and, you know, shut off the recording. And then you would like, like, like hit me with a couple of things. Don't do it. Don't do it to me. Because, because like I keep, as I'm watching the show, I'm like waiting Waiting for for it to happen. (laughs) You know, like I hear the, I'm like, damn it. I already heard the, did we talk after Reservation Dog season two was made? Mm Mm-mm. We didn't. How did you feel when you watched it? Like, was it uh, unmoved? Absolutely unmoved. Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew that because <laughs> you have no feelings. But like, <laughs> did you appreciate the cinematography? 
I like that you got the saxophonist from. Uh... <laughs> I moved. That's I mean, such a great. I wish I could put, make a poster with a quote from you that on the resurrection side that just says, "quote unmoved." <laughs> uh, no, it was good. It, I that I mean, it's funny because there are you watch the show right. But because my algorithm is tethered into Indian country, you get right. these like repeated waves. You see illustrations of right. shots from it, like that that Willie Jack moment in yeah. in prison with all the ancestors. Right, right, like, right. Right. I mean, fucking profoundly moving, you know, right. and also familiar. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I've 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 had the sensation of what you managed to present. Right. Um, in my life and in different moments and a lot of other native people that I know, and probably just a lot of other people that I know also could like relate to that concept of that was the craziest thing to me. I mean, like I was telling magazine this the other night is like, that's that, that episode was rewritten last minute, like two weeks before we shot it. Mm. Magazine had written something and I just knew something was off, not in his writing, just like the concept of the episode was off. And so I, I got him and, uh, Bobby, I think at the time, maybe Tosba was there or she was gone that week or directing that way. I can't remember, but like, I, I was like, you know, this isn't the thing. Like, this isn't the episode. Like, what do we do? Like, where do we, like, what if we take everything out that we thought it was? What is it? What are we trying to say? And somehow in there, I came up with the idea of like, what if she goes and visits Daniel's mom, her auntie in prison? And then we started talking and it was like, we started kind of like structuring the episode out. And I remember we went away and because he went to write the episode. And what we do is we kind of come up together with like everything that's going to happen in the episode and the writer that's specifically writing that episode, whether it's me or another writer, they will break off and write the script. And so he broke off and wrote the script. I remember he called me and he's like, hey, uh, I'm having a little trouble um, with Hokti's voice, the auntie's voice. Like, I don't know. I don't know her. Like, I was like, yeah, you do. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, it's your mom. He was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he's like, see you later. Hangs up, goes and writes it, you know? And then I remember like, uh, I'll talk, let's talk about that episode. So like, I remember um, lo- loving the idea of it being in this jail and like all of that. I love the idea of like, I thought a lot about my uncle Marty when we came up with that episode. Are you there? Cause your eyes are closed. Yeah, and I'm here. I'm here. I told you that's just how I look now. It's been okay. a while. And uh, so I was like, uh, I thought about a lot about my uncle Marty, my uncle Marty, my whole life. I mean, one of my first words was jail because mm. they would say, where's your uncle Marty? And I would say jail. Uh, one of my first memories is seeing him behind bars in McAllister in jail. Like I went to visit him as like three or four, I think. And, you know, he's been in jail a lot, but like one of the sweetest, nicest people you ever met. And it's like, how do you balance that? Like one of the coolest people you ever met, one of the kindest and like mm-hmm. loving people you ever met, funniest people, but then he's in jail all the time. Society says he has to be in jail, you know? Yeah. It was rare to see him sober i think uh something was missing in his life i don't know you know i have ideas but like um i thought about him a lot and so we broke that episode down because he went to write it and then i was directing it as Migazi had written it it was like uh the auntie's praying and then 
Willie Jack goes into like like everything goes black and like she's kind of traveling through space and seeing ancestors like images of ancestors and and you know production our production is just small so like I was like I need to simplify this and so I thought of this show this movie that I love called um uncle boon me who who can recall his past lives i think is what it's called hmm. great movie i've referenced it a lot when i was when i played bigfoot in the season one i had the glowing red eyes there's it's straight from that movie there's these beings that have glowing red eyes and so uh funny enough catfish fucking is also an homage to that but um you'll just have to watch the movie but um also this like i thought of this moment where they're sitting there at this table this man, Boonmi, is dying. And because he's dying, all these spirits are surrounding his house. And they know, and, and this being comes up to the porch and is talking to them. They're all sitting outside eating, him and like his sister-in-law and his son and his son or something. And this being, this looks like Bigfoot, comes and walks up on the porch, and he realizes it's his son. And his and his son tells him like that he turned into one of these creatures at one point. And like hmm. He's telling him that like they all know you're about to pass away so the spirits are here they're hungry you know and um all of a sudden he there's a, sh a shot of him sitting there and slowly really slowly the faintest image of a woman appears next to him sitting next to him till it finally comes in fuller and you see this woman and he's freaked out and it's his wife that's been passed away forever and i just mm. thought about like that image of like that that spirit coming in like that that ghost coming in like that and i was like that's how i should do this moment with willie jack when she's and we have a special lens that i put on them right as they start praying we switch it to this kind of we call it the spirit lens it's the mm -hmm. lens that we shot dallas with the first time you ever see him in the show so at that moment when they're praying i switched that lens and when it hits willie jack it's just like this really long shot where all of a sudden there's like these like fading in of these spirits. It's really slow, you know, and that's where uh, it came from was that moment. And then like mm. I had a friend talk to me about like how much he loved the reaction when the spirit touches her. Um, mm. She goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, and like he was like the juxtaposition of like a spirit touching you and a human realistic reaction. Like he really loved that, you know? And one, one other note is like uh, the, the, the woman that plays the spirit of hooked the anti-spirit, the one that touches Willie Jack, uh, that's Tava Sampson and Tava works on the show. She's in the art department and huh. she is Will Sampson's granddaughter. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, so like uh, I had written a part for her in that episode, and it was just her playing basketball with Hookty outside because I wanted to give an homage to her grandpa from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when he's playing basketball with Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and so just as a shout out to her grandpa, I cast her from the art department, and I was like, "Will you do this?" She's like, "Cool." So I had her. Go she was just going to be playing basketball with Hookty. And then like two days before we started shooting, the actor that we brought in to play the spirit tested positive for COVID. And so she, she couldn't be in the film. So I went to Tava and I was like, will you play the spirit? And she was like nervous, but she did it and like did a great job. But I like, I don't know. I love that. Like uh, being able to like put, I don't know. It's like homage to her grandpa, but then it became such a bigger moment. Another note is that her and my, her dad and my mom went to boarding school together at Sequoia. 
and they were like they dated a little bit i think and like um, her her mom and her dad and my mom oh okay and her dad's passed away now but um my my mom and her dad were a homecoming king and queen uh at the for sequoia basketball in like uh the 70s pretty, oh no pretty, way we didn't know each other until the first season of reservation dogs when she came to work on the show that's funny that's a trip and so i'm filming this my dad's in it the real brownie is in it he's the guard he's the prison guard and mm. um well first let me tell this story i had cast this guy named john doe who's a lead singer of the band x uh he's hmm. from tulsa but he's they got famous out in la punk band named called x and uh i cast him as uh willie jack as, as the old man in the in the lobby talking to willie jack about how he took a hero dose of acid one time yeah oh god a couple days before we shot that uh his wife had a bad accident she's fine but like he had to back out so we had no actor so there's this guy on the on the crew his name's steve mathis he's fucking great and uh this guy is a legend i mean like he's been in everything he has been in or not been in everything he's worked on everything so mm. he's a gaffer he's an electrician he worked on back to the future the original halloween <laughs> subsequent halloweens if you watch the show on netflix uh the movies that made us mm-hmm. he's literally on like five episodes like he's and he's just the coolest dude on set and he was he was retired he lives in oklahoma city he was originally from old mulgi and mm. was like born in a in an apartment and it's the apartments that we used for Bear's dad, Pumpkin Lusty, in the first season. What? We're sitting there at the apartments. He's like, I was born right over there. You know, he's this cool dude. He lives in Oklahoma City. He's retired, but he came, comes out to work on shit that he wants to. And he wanted to work on Reservation Dogs, loved it. So he came back season two. Uh, if you watch that show, The Movies That Made Us, he's on so many episodes. Like, well, I mean, one day I'm sitting there. Uh, during that like decolonization episode and like i'm i'm i always have a bluetooth speaker and i'm playing music and i was playing that song by don henley boys of summer and i'm sitting there and everybody's kind of grooving and i'm like you know bobbing the old head and uh steve mathis walks up to me and he's kind of bobbing his head next to me and he's like that was a cool music video to work on man i was like you worked on this music video and he's like yeah man like he's just worked on everything so i was like will you be Uncle to this Tupelo guy, the guy that's sitting in the jail, and he's like, Oh man, I've never acted before, but fuck it, yeah, I'll do it. And then he does it, does such a great job. Um, Yeah. So, anyway, um, another thing that happened, I'm sitting there filming, and my Uncle Marty's on my mind while I'm shooting because it's like kind of about him. Uh, Filming, and then like about to shoot the scene where she prays, and they see the ancestors, like literally shooting that scene. And my dad comes up to me. I'm standing at the monitor and he's in his like guard uniform and stuff, you know, and he comes up to me and he's like, hey, and he just has this look on his face. And I was like, what? And he's like, your uncle Marty died. And he just told me, I was like, fuck. And I went and sat next to him. We just sat there. And this guy, my uncle Marty, who I'd been thinking about the whole time I was filming that died right then. And out of nowhere. And I just had to like leave set walk around the jail cry for like 10 minutes and then come back and film this scene that was like so meaningful and just like i felt like he was there i felt like he was there before i found out he died 
So after he died, I was like, oh, he's here, you know, um, because like my uncle Marty was like so beautiful in the most fucked up way. Mm. So beautiful, but like, you know, couldn't figure this society out. Like um, one time his, his, his girlfriend died and I went to her funeral. And after the funeral, my uncle asked me if I would take him home i was like yeah i'll drive him home so i was driving him home from seminole oklahoma and he asked if i'd pull over to the liquor store so pulled over to the liquor store he got a bottle and we got in the car and we're driving he's just kind of talking about stuff and he said to me he said um he's like you know your mom and and, the, and my sisters he was like they would all they all want me to quit drinking um he was like but like they just don't understand that like i could like i can stop he's like but i just don't because like this is such a boring world to me he's like i'm just mm. boring to me and you know he did quit like four years before he passed but like i remember one time he was out of jail and I, it was right when i first started film like there were a couple articles written nothing big at all i hadn't done much and uh my uncle just got out of jail and um he would he would kind of walk off and like you know fill his cup up with beer we were all having a dinner at a park he would walk off by the truck and fill his cup of beer and have a beer. And I went and stood with him. We were just standing there talking to him. And um, he was like, it's really cool what you're doing with the making movies and stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, man. He was, and I was like, yeah, thank you. And then he's like, um, my favorite filmmaker is, uh, and I was just like, first of all, blown away by that statement. Like, and he's like, my favorite filmmaker is Steven Spielberg. And I was just like, what? Like how the fuck? Like my uncle's been in and out of jail. I don't know when he's watched a movie, much less learned who directed it, much less decided to watch all of that person's movies. And he's like, that's my favorite filmmaker. He's like, he's I love I like his work because um he creates what his eye sees. Like he he creates a world and that's his vision. And that's uh -huh. what he creates. And I and I like that he creates his own world. He's like, he's, that's why he's my favorite. And I'm just like floored. I'm just like, I didn't know you liked movies, you know. And uh, he read a short story one time of mine and and was like telling me like, that's a really good short story. And he was like, um, you got to keep writing. And he said, you should write a script about blah, blah, blah. And it's this idea that I've had for 20 years. Hmm. He told me. And I've never been able to crack the code on it. Like I haven't quite been able to fucking write that script. I've probably got 20 different versions of it different tones, different characters, different whatever, always one central thing was what he talked about based on a true story. And I haven't ever ever been able to crack the code, but I will someday. Yeah. Uh, I spoke at his funeral during the shoot. I went to his funeral and spoke and it was so fun because like we're at this church, you know, and like, I'm like up there. It's like everyone that knows Marty, everyone loves Marty, you know? And I'm just like, uh, I said, um, you know, I've been sitting there sweating because uh, I've been trying to think of stories I could tell at church about my <laughs> Uncle Marty, and there's not many. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I told the story about how um, I used to always mimic the way he laughs. Like, he would laugh like this. <laughs> and he would always start it with halfway saying the word shit. So he'd always start <laughs> <laughs> i have heard you make that laugh yeah, yeah. and like one time he was one time he was coming to my cousin's house and i saw that it was him coming up to the door and the door was locked he knocked on the door and i was like who is it 
And he's like, Marty. And I was like, she, and he, I did it. And then he would do it real. And then we just had this like loop of he and I doing that back and forth. And I, I did his laugh at the funeral and everyone cracked up because everyone knows his laugh, you know? Oh, that's amazing. Uh, he was funny, dude, man. He was great. Uh, I'm glad he made it all the way through. He did. All the way. All the way through. What's crazy is I got a letter from him after he passed. His uh, his girlfriend, after his funeral, brought me a letter. And, and it said, um, and like I never got a letter from him. And he never sent this. Huh. She just at his house. And I wish I would have had it so I could have wrote him. But he was like, you doing okay? Been thinking about your picture show. I'm home most of the time, but I hear things. Not too much, but some. Uh, I do sport my res dog shirt, the black market res dog shirt that my aunt made. Uh, he's like, I do sport my res dog shirt. Can't wait to see the series. He wrote this right before it came out. Uh, only one comedy show that can make me laugh, and that would be it. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be a hit. Can't wait if you need another writer. Uh, can't wait. Can't can't wait if you need another writer. Something. Uh, I know funny Indians like you would laugh at my drunk laugh. Oh, he said you would always draft laugh at my drunk <laughs> laugh. I remember. Um, uh, spend my the way my drinking days are over. Uh, I emptied the wagon hmm. about five years sober, but I miss talking shit. <laughs> I have a cool dog uh, that keeps me and Sandy busy. It's a pit bull. Thinks he's a cat. <laughs> if you ever need a dog part, he's the one. I was telling Sandy uh, the other the I was telling Sandy the the part I got in your other movie, I put him in this little scene. Um, and I told her that my part was maybe four seconds movie time. And I said, mom's dogs got more movie time than I did. <laughs> anyway, I know you're going to do well. Makes us proud. Just, just wish dad was here. He would be one proud grandfather. Mm. You know, we're all behind you. Parentheses family. I know you're busy, so don't think you have to write back. I just didn't want to phone you. Mama told me. Uh, Mama told me one day. She said that Sterling has a brilliant mind. I asked, "What about me?" And she said, "About as much as it weighs." <laughs> so is that good or bad? I don't know. Still, I'm going to stop here. Love you, Uncle Marty. I wish he would have wrote me that letter. Cause I could have replied and I think about him like writing me that letter, not knowing if I would want to hear from him or maybe I'm too busy for yeah. him. And I'm just like, fuck, like, couldn't I have just reached out? And then I have other uncles that I should do that too. You know, it's like, what am I doing? Like, what are we all doing? Like, why aren't we reaching out? You know? And I think about that. The last time I saw him and this fucking kills me, but the last time I saw him, he was sick. And he got like, uh, it was a couple months before he passed and uh, he got an infection. It was like a blood infection. And like, um, I went to the hospital to see him and he saw me and like, I was in there and he couldn't talk. Like it wasn't 
like he was gone. It was just that like physically he couldn't talk and he was trying to talk to me and he couldn't. And they were trying to find a vein on him. Mm. I was trying to find a vein on him while I was there. And I was kind of just in between places. I was just going to stop by. And I, they they kept trying to find this vein and they couldn't find it. And so I, I was like, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to come back. Like, I'll come back. And I left. I didn't get to really talk to him. But he did know I was there. And then when I was gone, they released him. And then it was like, it might have been like a month later he passed whenever I was on set after that. But like, mm. uh, yeah. I know, but we got all these hoops to jump through. It's so hard. It, this, this is what I, you know, I was like, yeah, we could keep doing this. We'll just check in with one another and make sure we do this, uh, these phone calls. Because it does. It gets crazy where you're like, oh, shit, I haven't seen that person right. in real life for, right. what, years now? Like, it's nuts. It's I still nuts. remember talking to you at the beginning of the pandemic. I Whenever we thought that Indians couldn't be affected by it at first, you know, we were wrong. But, like, we were just like, maybe we're not the ones, you know. Oh, like, I know. We, maybe this is it. Land <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. It's actually strange to me that we hadn't actually physically seen each other in, in that yeah. amount of time. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. Ginger was like, we're going to have a call with uh, Sterling. We're going to record it tonight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. But I didn't, uh, I don't know, it's weird. It, when, you're making me think about time and like how long those kind of waves in between are. And they don't seem long until I start thinking about it, you know? Well, they don't. It's like I have uncles right now that I should talk to. But you don't think of them as long times. And you're like, oh, we're going to catch up, you know, like, but yeah. I know I should call them or friends, you know, like friends that I should call. I know there's a certain responsibility in all of that. That's yeah. uh, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. But I think you got to do it. You know, like there is a certain level of anxiety that people have over like calling people, you know, like, do they want to hear from you? Like all of these things and these voices, but like. I think it's better just to be the person that calls the person, you know, like it's mm -hmm. better just to say, fuck it. Like I'm calling you. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who I didn't want to talk to who was a friend of mine and was disappointed by them calling right. and reaching no. out, you know, True. like I've, that's never happened. You know, like one, one person that's really good about it that I know is Warren Quiton. Do you know him? Mm -mm. He don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> Warren Quiton and Ryan Redcorn are the best. Like maybe Megazy too, but like, Bobby's awful at it. He fucking Bobby's a fucking awful communicator. But uh unless you're paying him, you know, I'll get on a Zoom call with you at least. <laughs> um but uh Warren Quiton, great. He'll 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 call me out of the blue. Hey brother, oh hey brother, just wanted to see how you're doing. Just mm. How's your family? Like, how you doing? And we'll talk for like an hour, you know. And he's actually—I cast him in Reservation Dogs, so he's the uh, IHS director. He's the one singing. Uh, uh, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we've just been friends forever, and I always said I was going. He's such a funny joke teller and knows all these songs. And I was always like, I'm going to put you in a fucking movie someday. I'm going to do it, you know. Like, I'm going to do it, and then I cast him in Res Dogs. Dude, there's so many. There are. So, it's funny. It like. Because it's been a moment since the last episode aired and this moment right now, wow. I was trying to like think about it and like I couldn't parcel out first season from second season in my mind with that amount of time in between. But as we started talking more and more, 
There were so many like um well catfish fuckers, you brought that up. That was that was some weird ass shit. And yeah. that whole mushroom trip that goes along with it, or or uh, acid or whatever the concoction they put in that uh beverage. <laughs> what was it? I can't even recall it was, uh, ayahuasca slash LSD. <laughs> <laughs> Slash, yeah. it's just called Slash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the characters navigating that space. Um, Zon, what's the guy's name? The actor who plays the guy who runs Kirk the junk. What is it? Kirk Fox. Kirk Fox. Yes, he is one of my favorite oh, parts yeah. of. He's the- so good. <laughs> He's so fucking good. His delivery is fucking weird. I love in that episode at the end where he's like, um, pay me back in this life or in the next. And if I'm a horse, like, pay me in oats. And if I'm a cow, milk me gently. <laughs> his, that's his line. He just comes up with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And <laughs> we have a good time. Kirk and I, whenever we're, we just, cause like when he's on there, we just riff. It's like, he'll say something. I'll be like, add this, add that. He'll throw it. He can just like, no one can deliver a line quite like Kirk, man. What's cool is, uh, I saw him, um, I saw his stand up live. Did you, you went with me to a, a show in New York city. Yeah. Did you go with me to LA too? Mm-mm. Okay, because we saw him live at the comedy store in LA first before I saw his audition for Res Dogs. And he's so fucking funny, man. The way he delivers lines is so good. Yeah. The like mix of Danae and Lakota that is just oh, so yeah. casually expressed throughout that whole thing. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, this character. He's so good. He is so good. So good. That episode was basically born. We're in the writer's room. That episode is basically born out of trying to keep Black Horse's interest. <laughs> like Black Horse is like halfway asleep for like half of the writer's room. And I'm just like, man, I got to figure something to really wake him up. And I was like, what if Big go like what if Big gets dosed at the salvage yard and they go out? And he's on, it's a fucking like acid trip episode. And all of a sudden, like his ears perk up, Black Horse kind of leans up and like, he's all of a sudden he's involved, you know? And then like, we're like all snowballing. We come up with like this conspiracy theory and catfish fuckers and stuff. Cause it's like, what are you going to do with it? Like, let's do something weird, you know? Like, let's fucking do something weird. And well, like, success. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my, it was funny because my son would be right here a lot of the times while I was editing IO. He would be. Uh-huh editing and he'd be watching us edit me and the editor and uh this part was cut but um one day my son's saying there, he goes my favorite part is when the guy says uh you can't fuck me i'm not a catfish <laughs> <laughs> and he's very mad that i cut that out oh my god i, told him, should... I told him i'd give him a clip of it though <laughs> we should just put that out in the world just let yeah. that that's exactly. that's the response now for me. Anybody telling anybody says fuck you. Don't fuck me, I'm not a catfish. Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Well, so you're in the writing room right now. You're working on season three. I also imagine you to be a man of uh history. 
the ex- extreme capability of multitasking. Like oh, yeah, yeah. show running is 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 a multitask. Yeah. Proof of, it's proof of multitasking. I'm yeah. I'm imagining. What else you got? Is there anything else that you can share that's in the works that yeah. you're particularly excited about? Yeah. So uh, I wrote a pilot the other day um, called The Sensitive Kind that takes place in Tulsa. That's sort of like a film noir, like mm. crime comedy show. I hope to do that. Um, I am an executive. So one of my part of my jobs with FX is to like have an overall deal. So I bring in other people's projects as a producer and like kind of champion them and help push them through it's what taika did with me and reservation dog yeah i have one called uh or there's one about the um the fairbanks four which was like this um oh my yeah friend, my friend andrew mclean is doing and so uh fx picked that up and so we're developing that there at fx um there's another project i'm doing with dennis goulet um i was they, up there when they got released oh really mm-hmm. wow yeah yeah, yeah. so we did something on that yeah, there's another sort of horror uh, that takes place up in like northern Canada. That's pretty interesting. That's native project that's coming mm. based on a uh, a children's book, which is cool. It's kind of like this trickster book almost, you know, but like um, darker than that, and uh, not darker, but just tonally more of a horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so like just producing people's stuff. Uh, What's noir? Let me, I mean, I'm, this is just yeah, like real... film noir. I mean, it's just a genre of like, um, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the genre, but I don't really understand like what, 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 it, what makes it noir? I think that like a lot of noir, well, I, I mean, there's different things that make it noir and some, it's like some, moody, right though. I mean, it's yeah, I mean, like it? some of them, some of them can have the moodiness, but you don't have to have the moodiness, you know, like, like the big Lebowski is a noir hmm. and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have the moodiness of some noirs in it, but right. it is, um, it's about a person, you know, there's a, there's a lot of times a MacGuffin, yeah. which is like, you know what a MacGuffin is, which is like yeah. a thing that like is introduced at the beginning that everyone wants or whatever takes you. It sort of sparks the journey of the story, but then it doesn't matter after that. Well, in the Big Lebowski, it's the rug that gets mm. stolen that really ties the room together. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that's the thing that kind of sets everything in motion. It doesn't matter later, but like it sets all of this in motion and all of this crime and all of these things, you know. Um you know, you have things like Chinatown, which is like more known for its like um, noir style, which is like Venetian blinds and like mm-hmm. you know every scene, like a lot of scenes will have like these like shafts of light that look like prison bars. You know, yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it's like <laughs> metaphorical prison bars. You know, and like sort of uncovering this conspiracy and like you know it starts with like a kind of like a, a woman coming to this private eye to like get help, which leads to like the uncovering of something bigger and like goes into this thing. Um, and then you have like the Maltese Falcon and all these like older sort of where it started, like the more black and white um, films that are very moody, dramatic. Is, they kind of is, owe themselves to like German expressionism in a way. It's like when they took like they, they, the, the sort of watered down more films of the fifth, like, like, the like not the 50s i guess that was sort of a down period but like these films that took like like in the like they took like these silent film era films like 
like ex- German expressionism and use some of those elements into telling a story visually. Mm. And some of these crime stories and these noirs were a part of it. I mean, like there's a movie called The, um, the Third Man, which is like um, Orson Welles is in it, but like um, just like using shadow and light and like telling a story like in this very moody, dramatic way, you know, and expressing the mood of the characters through light and stuff like a lot of that, but all of them are sort of set in crime worlds, you know, like, yeah. Um, like a lot of them are sort of set in the seedy underbelly of stuff. And like, um, it's usually, you know, a lot of times it's about a guy, of course, like going, like kind of uncovering this world and like shaggy dog sort of like, right. It's like obscured, right? Like something's obscured and something has to be, right detected in some like way or things, another you know like it just leads to something even bigger and crazier you know hmm. yeah i always wondered thank you i mean that's not a definite definition <laughs> actually uh, while we're here let me look. count it count yeah, it here, here we go is it french uh, for night or black no we're gonna fucking we're gonna are you, you googling up. it yeah all right oh no no he's not googling it he opened up a book in his library i have a library there's a book right there um film noir is a cinematic term primarily used to primarily describe stylish hollywood crime dramas particularly those that emphasize cynical attitudes and motivations the 1940s and 50s are generally regarded as the classic period of american film noir film noir of this area is associated with a low-key black and white visual style as the roots of german express i I said that german expression cinematography many of the prototypical stories and much of the attitude of classic noir derived from the hard-boiled school of crime fiction that emerged in the united states during the great depression the term film noir French for black film or dark film was first applied to Hollywood by French film critic Nino Frank in 1946, but was unrecognized by most American film industry professionals of that era. Frank is believed to have been inspired by the French literary publication imprint Sahri Noir. Founded in 1945, cinema historians and critics defined the category retrospectively because the notion was widely adopted in the 1970s. Many of the classic film noirs were referred to as melodramas. Whether film noir qualifies as a distinct genre or whether it is more of a filmmaking style is a matter of ongoing debate and among scholars, which is why it's kind of difficult to define. It's probably why Um, we're talking about it because scholars are debating it. Right. I mean... You know, I just uh, want to tell a crime story. Mm-hmm. Some shit kicked out of him over and over. You know, I'm for it. I'm jealous of your tobacco. Well, it gets you something. Make one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Just hold there. I'm going to satiate yeah. this. I already rolled one. I only puffed a piece of it. All right. Yeah, do it. I'll be right back. I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please. We're still recording. So yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. In the moment without Chanupa. All those hats, pretty envious. All of them hats. Wow. Chinupa always has a way of hats. Like Chinupa is one of those people that can put on a thing that if you put on that thing, it would be ridiculous. Like I bet like fashion designers are like, I just want to hang something on you. Um, no fashion designer ever says they want to hang something on me. Literally, like I I because I have to do like um award shows and stuff, like I have like people that are like dressing me or whatever. 
and I just feel for them because it's like, you know, I'm a solid guy. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm like buff, but like, you know, I played football, like, you know, uh, you know, there's a gut here. Uh, I'm a, I'm a thick boy. And, um, you just don't like, I'm not like, 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 like red carpets aren't made for me. You know, it's like, like, like a suit and like a thing. And like, it's just like, oh, like I don't want to do that. You know, like, why do I have to get dressed up? It's literally a hard thing to do. Um, there he is. You remember that time, uh, when we first did this I and yeah <laughs> did i tell that story in the last one or should i tell it now i don't know uh i was just coming back in and ginger reminded me and i was like oh, i shit, peed the cup one time because i did I, the conversation was going so good and i'd had whiskey and like whatever and i was like oh like I, the best idea right now is to not tell chanupa i have to pee and just literally pee in a cup while he's talking to me yeah and, and you could hear it under the desk <laughs> And act like it's not happening. But then I realized, like, as you're doing that, it's really hard to act like you're not peeing. <laughs> and the other fucked up thing is it was filling up. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I can't stop. And it's about to fill up. And it started to overflow. And I'm just like, thank God it was like concrete floors with like a paint seal on it. And I was just like, you fucking asshole. Why didn't you just stop? Like, I could have just stopped. could have just like, stopped. Hey, I got to go pee real quick. Be right back. It would have been fine. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. Did you have a smoke already? Yeah. Like I said, I had one rolled right before I came on with you. And then uh, just took a couple of wax off of it. I am happy to be talking. I'm also, because like part of it is like, I have to um, write tonight. And like, I just know it's going to be another 3 a.m. I'm hearing things in the house. Like, I know. I would joke around that, um, you know, how they, what are they? Uh, poltergeists are like noisy spirits, you know? And I was like, oh, kids are poltergeists that you can see. <laughs> oh, and just like things flying around the house and loud bangs. Do you, like, you think you're very like super connected to that? Like, have you have you heard a lot of shit in your life? Or I mean, uh, unexplainable things that are enough for me to be like, all right, there's there's a whole there's a whole realm that I'm not seeing all the time for sure. Yeah. You know, like I'm I'm a minute. I've been there, and I also. um I'm also very logical. And so my the logic side of my head starts to like kick in. Right. And then, you know, that's the uh the objections of the of the uh the right. courthouse. The angels on your shoulder. <laughs> the devil and the, and, whole, and, and, the, and the angel there just going. That was your dad, your mom, the rancher, and the artist. <laughs> totally. Totally. What do you think? I mean, like, tell me, like, what's happening? Like, what do you, I mean, we talked a lot about, like, the art world, the first talk that we had, I feel like. Like, what is, like, the art world now, post-pandemic for you? Like, what is it? Like, you know, are you talking to, like, collectors? Are you talking to galleries? Are you, like, what? what is the main thing? Institutions? Like, 
uh, well, I spent most of my time trying to get in, like I, I cut out galleries and I, and then I started working with, um, just on the hustle, you know, and, and trying to get into academia because I didn't go to grad school and I didn't have access to any of that. So it was just like a bunch of hustle thinking that it was going to be different, but it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. Um, and it's weird. It's super weird. Um, I, I get like waves of dread periodically, just like just a wave of dread. It crashes, it hits me and then it passes, you know, are you Um, in therapy? I, I, I was in therapy during the pandemic and my therapist, uh, quit me. She said, I'm fine. I'm fine. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It was the only time I had ever done it. And the experience was weird. And I was like, you know, trying to empty all of this stuff out and, and what on you? They were here. Or... She did. Yeah. 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 She's like, I'm done. She's like, you're, She's like, you're, you're too fucked up. I'm done. You're doing great. You're going to be fine. Everything's okay. And I'm like, mm, all right. That's not what they do, right? You're, you're the expert. <laughs> they usually just keep collecting the check. And like, well, that's what that, I mean, I was like, am I boring you? Like, what is going on? <laughs> You bored a therapist to to just like be like, you know what, keep the money. I'm done. You're good. You're good. Yeah. You're uh, fine. Yeah. She's like, I you're 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 healed. Run along. <laughs> yeah, so that's been my experience. But um, what did you find out? Can you talk about what you found out? Therapy? I'll talk about what I found out in therapy. Um I mean, I've got like there were like triggers around around um what is it like uh uh neglect maybe yeah and an adaptation to that sensation and then right. just built a fortress around around all of that you know like an emotional fortress you've built around yourself basically mhm yeah. mhm and what i what i was seeking you able to like crack through that or like well yeah cuz what i was seeking i was like look i have shrunk my emotional capacity I'm like, I didn't want to feel bad or depressed or hurt or harmed in any sort of way. So I cut off anything that began to like trigger those sorts of emotional states. And I built a, a, um, so like people close to you. Yeah. People close to me, everybody, everything, the world, the entire, the entire thing. I was like, I can, I can shut all of that down. I can tune out things and I can go inside and everything's fine. I was like, but what I've realized is I built all of that as a defense mechanism, but because I've shortened my capacity for pain, I've also right. shortened my capacity for joy, you know? Right. And so right. I was like with, you know, the, there are people. That's who... weird. So like, tell, explain that to me. Like, what is it to shorten your capacity for joy? Like, what is that? And in, in, in in like our realm, physical realm, or in our in life, what is that like? Like, like, like you don't have to get you know into things you don't want to talk about, but like, what is it? Like, what is an example of something that you? Yeah, what is an example of something that you cut off that is joy? Well, mostly it's like it's like not being attached to anything, you know, right. and and and. But you're one of the. What's weird about that to me is you're one of the most attached people I know, and I, you know, like people have problems in their relationships and in their life and their families and whatever. Um, and I, you know, that happens to you. It happened to me. But like, 
I know, like, what's crazy to me is like, I, you, you had, you were kind of this beacon and ginger mm-hmm. as well, this beacon of like, oh, like they've got it, mm-hmm. like, like, like that's impenetrable, and that's something to move towards, you know. And that's how I felt about it as just like a friend, you know, it's like, wow, like, oh, but like, it just goes to show you that like people have their things and we don't always know what they have, what's going on, you know? Totally. Well, I mean, one of the greatest like lessons and learnings that I've, that I've kind of experienced since therapy, I mean, honestly, it's just like opened up um, one, it's like not biting your tongue, you know, like I'm, I was so used, I was the middle child in a single family right. home. And, um, so that like you're in that position, you're, you know, I, I have five siblings. So, uh, in that realm, you, you're not the baby and you're not the firstborn. You're somewhere in the middle and you're like waves of middle, you know? So, so I was just like, don't matter. Like you're just, Totally, totally. And and then and then you're like you're like the thing is is that who you matter the who I thought I mattered the most to was myself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like I I bet I better matter to me because it doesn't feel like I matter to anybody else. That's crazy. And yeah. then in that process, I was unaware of my wake like for years and years and years. Like I didn't realize that I actually affected people around me out of the context of like how I was born or, you know, how, how I grew up, you know, and then watching that kind of like find its way into, um, just my life in general. Also, I had like, but you weren't like, I don't know. You met me at a good time. I yeah. had gone through a lot of okay. shit before okay. we met. So, because yeah. when I met you, I was like, oh, what a, what a fucking well together person. <laughs> I was pretty well. would like him. You know? <laughs> if I brought this friend home, they'd be like, all right, you keep hanging out with your new boy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. What's crazy too is some of the things that you're talking about, which we don't have to go into, but like some of the things you're talking about, you were struggling with or whatever while i knew you mm-hmm. so i didn't know all the, oh. yeah, I, I didn't know this whole you you know I, no I totally what, and i'm yeah. i i still struggle with it and that's the thing like when you can um uh you create these like layers of of defense right Protect. so like one of my one of my shields is like humor right and humor i the only reason why i found humor to be effective is that it doesn't produce defense mechanisms in other people you know right. what i'm saying like right. you, you, there are ways to to like dig and make fun but to make it fun you know right. and not spiteful and not like you know harsh but right. there's also the the harsh side of it you know but the um all it does is puts people in a in in a position that you want them to experience you in and not like full you know, right. I'm like, you can come in this far. I'm going to be well, great. I have to say, like, even like looking back, like after I learned more about you and like, I mean, I consider you a close friend, but looking back into the first few years that I knew you, I only knew one part of you, right? Like it was kind of like that part of you that you were presenting, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's why I was like, oh, like I'm going to fucking mind. Those are my North stars there, you know? 
Well, and the I think one of the other lessons that I, that kind of like developed out of going to therapy and kind of understanding all of this sort of stuff is um, nothing is a thing. It's all a process. Like it's becoming, right. you know, it's constantly oh, becoming. Yeah. Oh, I've learned that in therapy for sure. I mean, like, because like my therapy that I, I started going to therapy first season, <laughs> you know, like you think you're going to have a show and success and it's going to just like fix things, but mm -hmm. actually opened up things, you know, it opened up a lot of things that I needed to fucking get help with. And so I go to therapy and, you know, my main thing in therapy is I talk about like the chaos that I want to calm down you know like mm. I, my strive is is less chaotic and i think that it's like you know like i like i definitely think that i am like a bit ocd and something that happened like i at first i thought ocd was like you wash your hands a lot and shit you know <laughs> As a therapist i learned that there's all these different types of ocd and the thing that i have is this constant barrage of doubt mm. um like sabotaging your your thoughts knowing things aren't true but like those repetitive things like your brain almost works against you a lot like you're, you're like there's this constant battle in your brain of like uh I know I don't feel this way, but you do feel this way. I know that I don't though, but you do. But I know that I don't because I'm me. But you you you're just like pretending and like, no, I know that I'm not feeling that way, but you are. But mm -hmm. you know, I'm good. All right. And then it'll go away. And like, okay, I'm good. I'm good for a long time. And then all of a sudden it creeps back in and it's like, oh, you feel this way. No, I don't. I don't feel that way at all. But no, you probably do. Oh, but what about this? You maybe you feel this darkness. And it's like constantly just hmm. this thing of like like it's in my brain you know and it's a constant negotiation in, in myself and the thing that you know one thing that i learned because i was telling my therapist i was like you know i the mo like i love writing probably more than i like directing but writing to me is dark hmm. you know there is a darkness that comes to that and it's not always dark it's sometimes it's glorious and whenever i finish a script there's a thing that is released in me like, like i was describing it to brit the other day i was like it feels like a pod and and when i finish that script it opens up and releases whatever that is and that release feels so good in mm. my brain like whatever that is feels so good when i finish a project um but there's Do a you... dark there's a dark side to writing that <laughs> I have to go places that don't feel good. And I mean, I can, I'll, I'll write a script and be crying, you know, like whenever um, mm. I was writing, there's episodes from reservation dogs. I remember writing and crying, like, like tears coming to my face, like, cause I have to feel it, you know? And like, like there's a certain amount of like, I need to feel this for it to feel real, you know? And I'll write it and it'll, it'll hit. I'm mm. just like crying, you know? Um, directing though is glorious to me. It's just like, I'm like, you know, I'm dancing. I'm like, yeah, you know, like everything is so good. And I was talking to my therapist about that. I was like, I feel best, most alive and free of like all my shit when I'm directing. Mm. And she said, it's because you're literally controlling chaos. 
like like the chaos that is in your brain and whatever from your past or whatever you you you've not been able to control this stuff but when you're on set it's something that you get to like make order of all of a sudden and that's yeah. why you're feeling so good and it's true like it's like this thing that i get to like control you know conduct and like like i feel best when i'm doing that well and also the burden of what you brought to the paper is carried by many people you know what i'm saying where mm -hmm. we're like the well the burden of writing like oh, yeah. exploring diving into that space this darkness that you speak of right. you know what i'm saying like in in your in you know uh, on the page that's your burden you're you you're bringing that in you're putting it down you're processing it and you're and you and you're presenting it but at the point of direction even though it has the same language and and all of that sort of stuff and it's all out there and it's even like even more kind of um I don't know, vulnerable, uh, uh, putting it out, putting it out there, you know, and having people kind of like navigate that space, but you're not doing it alone. So it's like parceled out in a way where, where well, no, actually, here's, so here's what happens is like, you write it alone, put that darkness out there and like vulnerability and whatever, but then you direct it and it's fun. Uh -huh. The editing room and all of a sudden it goes dark again. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. Now I've got to like do this thing. And now it's got to go out to the world, you know, and I can cry watching an edit too. You know, I don't, I've cried when I'm directing some, but like when I'm editing and you lock in and like you're feeling it all again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Do you, but are you editing? You're not editing this alone, right? Like, no, I have an editor, but like I'm with him on a zoom, like watching the cuts and like diving into the footage and like, do this do that and they show it again and then whatever you know. so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah editors you, i have so much respect for you know like because they they have to write again like they are rewriting your script that was rewritten when you directed it totally rewritten by them you know yeah and now it's all it, there's like multiple versions of the same sentence right. <laughs> that they can right. draw from right. do you have um this is something that happens to me is one like the creative part of making a thing which i'm imagining is kind of like this this dark space that you're talking about like the writing for me like building a concept and and coming up with like the first ideas for for creating something that's actually where my most ecstatic moment like that's my that's my joy point you know what i'm saying where i'm like oh this is this is fun Right. And you know, or or it, I that's where I'm most excited. You know, like, part, like say 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 like a piece. Like, what would you the thing that you, before you start putting pen to paper or whatever, when you're deciding what it's going to be? Yeah, like just coming up with like the concept or the idea. I get really jazzed around like. Um, usually, how I work is I, I tend to work in like a series of of things. You know, James. Yeah, I'm sort ideas. of opposite though, because like you, I think that you conceive your stuff. And you execute that. Right. Mine, I'm discovering as I'm writing. So, uh -huh. like, I don't necessarily map it out. Like, I I have an idea that's a character or a scene or maybe an idea for something, a, sh a show or whatever, or whatever, a story. And then as I'm writing it, I'm discovering it. Like, uh -huh. I, like literally discovering it like I was an audience member. And I am going... And I will come up with ideas and something's bad. I delete it. And then I keep going and I keep like, it's like I'm, I'm bulldozing this thing 
and like I'm trying to uncover it and I keep pushing and I keep pushing and sometimes it fails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to the end, I'm like, holy fuck, it's good. Okay, so this we do it again and make it better, you know. Yeah, let's let's keep comparing these two things yeah, because yeah. um I'll have a concept and this is just an idea. It's just an idea, right? It's not a it's not a thing. I don't sketch, I don't pre-design yeah. anything. Um, it's just this idea, like okay, I came up with a series of words, or here's it's a, just you laying in bed, smiling, looking at the ceiling, thinking of some great art you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's 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 the that's that's the truth of the matter, you know. Like something, you know, I'll get a spark or an idea, or I'll hear, you know, there, there's like a conversation or there's something happening in the world, and 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 I make a free association. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever all of this external information that's coming in and fucking floods and waves, right. I will at a moment make like a free association that just like ties a whole bunch of shit together. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow, I just reduced that. I distilled it, you know, right. but it's nothing. It's not. It's, it's right. me patting myself on the back for having a good fucking idea, laying in bed, like you're saying, like it's right. void of anything. And it's but that like, I, the thing that I think about you, though, that's different from me, and in this comparison, it kind of illustrates that. But the thing that I think about you that's different from me is that there is a childlike wonder with you when you're receiving <laughs> something that is like you're beaming, like you were just smiling, like it's like ear to ear, like eyes are lit. You're ready to create this thing. And it's very childlike in a way. Uh-huh. Like where I don't have that. So it's hard. Like I like sometimes I think of like, like honestly, I've thought of this, like the things that you have done and you and Ginger have done with the boys. It's it, it feels like you connect with them. Like, and I'm not saying I don't connect with my kids. Like I I do. And and we talk a lot, but it's more like story-based, you mm. know. It's more like emotionally based as opposed to like project based. Mm-hmm. And and I see you as a project based person where you will have a concept of something and get like excited about that in a childlike way, which lends itself self very much to, ch- to, to, to working with children and teaching them things like art and like working on projects, you know, whereas mine, I sometimes feel guilty because it becomes an emotional storytelling thing, which is going to be great for them in like five years. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great for them now. This is, right. it, is, yeah. it is, but there's also a side of it that could be really great for them if I was more project based and trying to like, you know, like let's do this stuff, you know, and like, and like sometimes I feel guilty about that, but then I have to remind myself like, Oh no, people are different and there's different ways to do this stuff, you know, but I honestly thought about you and ginger a lot in, in terms of like raising my kids where I'm like, fuck, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I make like a mask for my kids to run around in and we could have filmed it and like, and like they're fucking creating stuff and all of this, you know, like, like that's what I'm thinking in my brain, you know? Right. But we're, we're only presenting to you the, the, the output and not the process, you know, and the process oh, is know, like, I know. Yeah, take yeah, this yeah. fucking mask off of my head. I'm like, I'm tired. I'm hungry, you know? Yeah. And on, oh, on cool. top. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But like, you know, like I don't know, like we present the online. Thing. We're great parents, okay? Online, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, but I think that that's right. It makes me feel better, actually, because, like, um, there's just a different spectrum of, like, how parents can be good, you know? Totally. And me and Ginger both are, like, worker folk. You know what I'm saying? Like, we do like project. We do like process. We do like making all this. So the genetic input that our children have, they're kind of, like, you know receptors for that sort of thing i'm like i'm more of a brooder like i'm more of a person sitting in a corner thinking about like a story or things you know what's interesting is like i took my me and brett and laura and some friends took uh my kids and we went to a stomp dance a cherokee stomp dance this summer and um we were out there and like we were at a camp and uh uh my son io who was five at the time um there's elders there. There's people there. There was a middle-aged guy, a couple of adults, some, some kids. My son, we're in a, sitting in a group just eating. My son, Io, starts telling a story about a movie that he wrote mm. or that he came up with. Mm-hmm. And it was called Spirit Dog. Well, And it's about a spirit dog. And he told this epic story. And it was like... First act, second act, third act, a whole feature film. I mean, we're 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in to this kid telling this story to these adults and kids and everyone. Everyone's just like, you know, like elders and children. Like, this kid's telling this story. And it's like epic. I mean, it's like there's a spirit dog and like you find out how he became a spirit dog. And then there's a bad guy who's a who's a hamster and there's a person that lives inside of him and controls him. And like, you know, like he just had this whole epic tale laid out in his brain and just could recite it. Not mm-hmm. down, never talked about it to me before, but he was just reciting this story and like 40 minutes in, like it's time to go dance, you know, and like food's eaten and elders are just sitting around listening to this kid. And I was like, I don't like that. I think we should wrap it up. Like, let's do that. You know, like <laughs> We got to go dance like that's right you know like so he finishes the story but it is this epic tale you know and so i i'm getting a camera a little camera for him and i was like what do you want to do when i get this camera like what movie are we going to make he's like well i want to make spirit dog i'm like all right like let's do it so he still like has this one movie in his head you know it's like amazing mm. it's amazing I yeah that's that. wild yeah. that's wild and i you know once again it's like the exposure these are these are the things that he's seeing these are the things that he's emulating right. like eo will go and talk on um like he has a, this like discord uh <laughs> yeah. you know online chat with his friends <laughs> yeah yeah he's got a youtube channel for sure um but he he talks with all of these kids other kids from all over the country and uh and he's like i gotta i gotta Hey pops, I got a work meeting. <laughs> That's hilarious. My son, so my son, th- he wanted a YouTube channel, and so of course I was like, I'll give you YouTube channel. It's like private; no one can see it, you know. But mm-hmm. he sees. And so we did one where like he was really in a Boba Fett at the time, so he was Boba Fett. And I was like Darth Vader, and like it's a film where we're fighting, and he kills me or whatever. And um, but like he has this great intro that he always does. He's like, Hey, my name's Io. Welcome back to my channel. And- <laughs> i know it's so, it's so weird it yeah. is so weird welcome back to my channel <laughs> like and subscribe yeah <laughs> yeah we're we're always joking around about all of that sort of stuff and like i don't know it's like, funny wait, pause. i'm gonna get some water Be okay right. so 
Sterling Harjo. Amazing. I'm so grateful that uh, we got to have this conversation today. Uh, I consider you a friend, close friend, in fact. I feel like I am in your uh, study, looking at the books on your walls, guitars, artwork. And I feel like I am trapped in there in one of those uh, shelves and I can't get down. Perhaps it's the next county over you need to go and get water from. Maybe it's like the good old days to the well. Drop right. the bucket. I'm not picking cups anymore. <laughs> I know what pause buttons are now and editing, I guess. Like, I didn't think you guys could just cut it out. I didn't know. Oh, we had to cut around it. That's even more tricky. <laughs> Did you hear the pee happening? Yes, I could hear the pee happening. It's those painted concrete floors that you thanked God so for. Ridiculous. Like, I think, <laughs> like, I had a kid, I caught a buzz and I was like, oh, I should just do this. This sounds like a good idea. Like, let me do that. No, I, I remember I smoked uh, somewhere in there and it kicked in, or maybe I ate something, ate an edible. I can't remember. But Ginger was like, oh, yeah, it got funny towards the end where I almost ate an edible tonight, but. You know what's crazy is the last one we did, I felt I was in a dark place. Mm. Um, mm. I felt it the whole time. But then like halfway through, it switched into me feeling okay. But like um, a lot was going on at the time in my life. And I just remember starting that going like, I hate to bring that energy into this, you know, but like I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't not bring it, you know. like It's it real there. though. <laughs> yeah. Can't avoid it. You yeah. can't avoid it. You can suppress it for only so long, and it <laughs> compounds. So do you get to see – oh, wait, I haven't talked about what I have in therapy. So, like, oh, I did kind of um, – therapy to me is this place where I – you know, like, I figure shit out. I'm like um, – one of the cool things is my therapist is, like, a meditator, and she will meditate with you and kind of – show you how to meditate which like hmm. i'm into that you know like kind of like the um theme of my what i want out of it with her is like i want like a less chaotic life and calm and meditation is one of those things it's interesting because i told her how much i love like the country mm -hmm. and beginning when we first started it was like when we first started reservation dogs or right after um she would uh tell me like you know when you meditate like you should you should like find a place that feels like the country even if it's like just outside of town or whatever and just go there and if you're and and if you're not there try to think that you're there you know like um and then like in the process of this two-year meditation i got land where like i can go out there and be in the woods and it's so like good for my mental health and you know i've hunted out there i just put up like me and my dad put up some like archery ranges and stuff and like so like i can shoot a bow anytime i need to take a break or whatever you know it's just like you said it's 30 minutes out 30 minutes outside of town like it's fucking amazing like i'm just like it was what i wanted my whole life is to buy some land and mm -hmm. 
I'd be able to like let my kids run on it. Like there's like campgrounds that we can camp on and stuff. And um, as soon as the weather's good, I'm going to like take them camping and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, and like, you know, like some people might have a show and want to buy a house and a mansion or like a whatever. Um, granted, I put a pool in my yard, but. Um, and, and you uh, bought I, a house. Well, no, I bought a house before. Yeah. And banking on the fact that I could afford and she houses are cheap here. Like what I bought this house for, probably in New Mexico, you could buy a lot crazier house for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I bought it really cheap. Yeah. And in New Mexico, I wouldn't buy as much. It would be like no. very, um, but uh, you know, buying the land was the thing that I always wanted and it's super cheap i mean still to this day like if i were like if i were to what i bought the land for if i were buying a home in la which i almost moved to i would have like a two-bedroom like very small house you know mm-hmm. like it wasn't insane what i'm spending you know it's just like but um you know it's just like having this place where i can like i don't know have like trail cams up like i see the coyotes there uh, I think there might be a bobcat there. I thought there was a mountain lion, but I don't. I don't think so. But like, uh, there's deer everywhere. You know, like deer everywhere, and mm. just being able to like have this place that I can kind of like take care of and like watch and like see the things that come there and like, uh, you know, like have my it's fucking awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, I would love y'all to come out here and see that. No, we definitely want to come through and check it out. And then if you're ever out in New Mexico, we'll take you to to our spot. The first, when yeah. we first looked at it, because I'd never seen it before, before we got it. Um, and my first visit, I was like, we need to burn this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Like tumbleweeds and right. all, all kinds of stuff. I'm like, you could use a good, a good burn, a good burn, a good burn. Good burn. <laughs> I was telling my boys that they were like, huh? (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, it'd be so happy. It'd be so happy. You know, my dad one time burned the the lake. Like, (laughs) at home, the lake, he burned a section of the lake, him and his buddies, like, literally lit it on fire. Just so in the coming summer, when they partied out there, they wouldn't have ticks. (laughs) Smart. That's worth it. It's worth it. (laughs) He also had this story that he told me where he and his buddy did acid at the lake. And he's very proud of this. He's like, we tied together a bunch of uh, kites. We sailed that kite all the way across the lake. (laughs) It was like that was the thing. (laughs) (laughs) On acid. Uh, That's, I mean, just tying something together on acid is is a feat. It's right. an engineering right. feat. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> so you never drank, right? Uh-uh. No. I've never been drunk. I've drank alcohol. Oh, you have drank. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've drank alcohol, but I've How never been drunk. Drink alcohol? It's a, like I had a glass of champagne. Like a glass. Six That's foot. It. Yeah, six foot three of me on uh nineteen ninety-nine New Year's. That's it. Yeah. And then like you a know, I've tasted I've tasted alcohol where people are like it's interesting though it's interesting though like I I have found that I have friends Ryan Redcord's never drop drank a drop hmm. 
Dallas Gold Two's never drank a drop, you know. Uh, and these are my brothers, you know. Like, I, like, and to know me, I mean, like, I literally had a nickname that Willie Jack's dad they call him out on it in season two, which is <laughs> Hodge Dog, which Hodge means drunk in Creek. Literally, that was my nickname, Hodge, Hodge Dog. Dog. Like, I, I was like the guy with like a, a beer hat on, uh-huh. like muzzling beer, you know, like I. Like I, but I never like was an alcoholic. I just loved to have fun and whatever, you know, and I'm sure alcoholics say that all the time, but like, <laughs> uh, but I literally, like, I don't, you know, it's like, I can go without it or whatever. Um, and, but like Ryan's never had a drop. Dallas has never had a drop. You've had a, a drop. Um, Bobby drank for a little bit, I think, and then never drank again. But I've had other friends too that never drank, and like I always found that people that didn't drink had like a parent that drank or something, or like a family family members that drank, and they just avoided it. Like they saw it early on, mm-hmm. and it was like not so prevalent that it just became normalized. But it was so sectionalized that it like you were like, I don't want to do that. That section yeah. is cut off, and I want to do that. You know, that's that's true for me too. It was like, yeah. I mean, being an '80s kid, like all of my uncles and aunts and and whatnot were like struggling with it. You know, like struggling. So really, that's why you didn't because you saw the struggle. Yeah, I was like, you know, what's the easiest way to quit? <laughs> it's like don't start. <laughs> right. Like yeah. that just seemed and. The, the other like, you also hang out with a lot of people that drink like it's not like you're like hanging out with people that are just all sober like you yeah. hang out with a lot of people that res- like like that um responsibly drink and have a good time i've seen yeah. you people right like you and i and jeremy and matt and everyone in england we're all hammered and smoking weed you didn't drink anything but like you could hang out, you know, it wasn't like we were awful. Like you could hang out with us, you know? So like no, never and- in that time you ever thought like, <laughs> my friends are having a fine time. Like I could do this too. And it would oh, be okay. The, the whole time when nobody was looking, I was, I was drinking. I was sneak drinking the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. Hmm. I was like, Wait, was he? <laughs> literally like, what a sad human. <laughs> I just like to feel like I'm not a drinker, but like, I, I, can't stay, I can't stay away from it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like hanging out with no, people. Really. I mean, like you're around people that do you have a good time with them. Yeah, I have a good time with them to you've a certain a period, you've never had a period where you like got hammered and fucking like wrecked a car and fucking nope. ruined people's lives. No, you, you know what? Respectfully stayed away from it. Yeah, 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 totally. When I was, um, gosh, I must have been like, I don't know, 10 or 11. Um, it was at a branding. Uh, we were branding cattle. And this is early. Not you know, humans. Not huh? humans. <laughs> they weren't branding each other, the Lakota people. No, no, no. We were branding cattle. <laughs> Cow. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, I was a kid, and we're flopping, and you're covered in dust and blood and piss and shit and all sorts of stuff and get real parched and i ran up to the house and this is like mid 80s um mid to late 80s and at the time henry weinhardt came out with a wine cooler and i have no idea why but the cowboys up in north dakota were putting away those wine coolers you know and uh i mean because they were new i have no idea 
but I remember running up to the, um, like from our corrals all the way up to the house, which is like, I don't know, 400 yards, opening up the refrigerator, being like juice bottle thick. We never get juice and opened up a wine cooler and pounded it, pounded it for thirst. And then, um, it was gross, you know, the alcohol. And I was like, Oh, it's bad. It went bad. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I thought it's like it turned. Oh, you didn't know it was alcohol. Yeah. I didn't know it was alcohol. Um, but that taste what while I was like incredibly thirsty, it just like stuck with me where I was like, do you have, you, like, do you have brothers that drink? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of my brothers. <laughs> wow. So none of them, you were the only one that was like, I don't do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and then you get used to that, you know, like I can hang out with people who drink. I'm, I, I, I didn't do anything that, you know, I'm not on any high horse. I'm like, you right, know. no, I know. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's why I'm kind of like interested because it's never been a thing that we talked about. You just don't drink. And then like, um, but like, and you don't like cut yourself off from people that do like you've kind of like through the art world. I mean, you've been around everyone that drinks, you know, well, I haven't struggled with it. Right. Like I don't need to cut off people who drink because I'm not, there's no like incentive to drink, right. you know, I make jokes about it a lot with ginger primarily. I'm like this year. Are they funny jokes? No, or? no, no. They're poor taste. They're poor taste jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jokes that they're funny to me. Right, right. Which are most of the jokes, though. I mean, <laughs> I would say like 98% of my jokes are, I'm I'm the audience. Right, right. That's crazy, though. I mean, just like, um, like, it's this, th- like, like, I'm just interested because it's like. I'm interested in have, why you you're have... attracted to people who don't drink. That's what I'm interested right. in. Why really, do you I, surround yourself with non-drinkers? That's we- that's actually weird. <laughs> that is weird. That is weird. It's true. It's the same thing. No, but I mean, like, you know, uh, you don't have a, a a darkness with it. So you don't have a reason to cut it off. And you're a very kind of free-flowing guy. But just like in this one area, you never decided. You know, you never were like, ah, didn't need to. I never never developed a taste for it. And I'm not like a teetotaler, right? Like I smoke no, weed. I I've no, done all no. I'm saying that's what I'm saying. This is what yeah. Can... yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Uh, I never I never developed a taste for it. The thing that's messed up about it is that but here's know, the secret is like none of us I'm not trying to get you to drink, by the way. So don't take it as that. But I'm just saying, like, none of us developed a taste for it. Like, well, that's what's baffling to me. That's literally what's baffling to me. I'm like, oh, here's, what it, no, no, here's what it is, though. This is what alcohol is, is you have these people and we all have anxieties. And all of a sudden you had something that you could drink that killed that. And that went out the window all of a sudden. And you were like free to be you without anxiety. And that's where it came from for me. I could talk to girls. I could talk to people. I could do things and like. You know, I could be I could be in a group and not feel weird. Um, I mean, let's talk about this. I had a um, after season one. You know, I went to the Gotham Awards, and did I talk about this last time? I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I think I, I think I skirted this. Actually, I was going to, and then I didn't. Uh, it was dark times. It wasn't dark, but it was like a lot of dark shit was happening. Was it noir? 
Was it a? Oh yeah, it was Dillard. Uh, was <laughs> um, no. What was happening though was um, so Reservation Dogs came out and it started getting criticized on Twitter for being anti-black. Oh, I we did touch on this, but keep going. And, like, and and it was a really hard, painful thing because that was something that I never would have imagined being said about a show that I made. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I actually like um, discussed with directors and creators of the show where I was like, there are black people in our communities. There are black people that are native. We have to represent that, you know. And so like, in, you know, like in the pilot, when the reservation dogs are deciding that they're going to be reservation dogs and st- at the end of the pilot when they're like we're staying here and we're going to fight for this place right before that happens a whore, a cowboy on a horse passes them and willie jack thumps her hat to him and i s- specifically asked production i said i and, and to talk to casting and i was like i want an afro indigenous cowboy on that horse because that is home to me mm-hmm. you've got cowboy culture You've got black and you've got native. I want them all there represented in this one human that passes them. And that's what reminds them of home and is the reason why they stay and fight for this place. And so that's what we do. We have an Afro-Indigenous cowboy that rides by. Um, We don't focus on that. There's not a neon sign that says... This is an Afro-Indigenous cowboy, you know, that goes by. It just is what happens, and that's what I wanted. Um, and, like, you know, I made sure that we were casting uh, Black people because, like, they are a part of the community here as well, as well as white people and Natives. Like, it's not a show that's just Native. There's white people, there's Black people. And, that, and, I, and I was, like, fighting for that. So when that happened, I was, like, fucking destroyed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally destroyed. I, I never in my life ever in my life felt so dark and like scared and were you destroyed though like did you begin to disintegrate no not didn't disintegrate not disintegrate huh but i Hmm. felt like i could (laughs) and i was um in a very dark place and i didn't know what to do with it you know and I, I talked to writers on the show who were dealing with it as well. And some of them were paralyzed to quote, mm. like, I can't get out of bed. You know, mm. it was very dark because we put out something that we thought was very positive and that we thought, you know, we were doing a good thing. And then like, and like at the time it felt bigger than it was. Like I thought it was going to explode into this thing. There were literally a couple of articles written about it. Um, and it was like a small fraction of like twitter but like i was it it was just devastating to like have something kind of like misinterpreted in a way that uh felt like it was so far from what i wanted to be representing you know Mm -hmm. um and that was a very 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 dark time and i don't remember why i started talking about this but gotham awards oh so drinking so in the midst of this, we go to the Gotham Awards and um, free drinks all around. And I'm dealing with my anxiety with this, right? I have anxiety about all of that. And I'm just pounding stuff, you know, I'm like uh, Be- uh, dealing with it. 
dealing with it. My girlfriend's here. She's like, slow down. I'm like, okay, cool. And then my producer's shoving tequilas in my face. And he's like, this is the Gotham Awards. We get drunk, you know? And um, uh, I, get this, I get up and I give a speech. <laughs> and I'm hammered. I didn't know that we were going to win. And I am hammered. And I'm, I regret to this day that I didn't thank the actors that were standing behind me. <laughs> um, but I am hammered and I'm on a mission. And I, and and right before we get up there, Garrett, who's Jewish, my producer, he goes, you have to wish me happy Hanukkah as your Jewish, uh, your one Jewish producer on the show. I'm like, okay, I got you, you know? And I get up there and I just go on a fucking tirade. At first I'm like, wow, wow, white people give the longest speeches. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Like, they're so long. And I was like, when we when we gave presented the award at the Emmys, there's the guy that had the fucking chess show. Like he he fucking like talked for so long. Like what the fuck? And I was like, also Jane Campion's here. She just got an award. I was like Jane Campion's here. Holy fuck! Like you're a hero of mine. Like I wrote like essays about you in college. Holy fuck! And I was like, and just so you all know, like you're sitting here. We were on Wall Street. I was like, you're sitting here on Wall Street. And I was like, and I want you to remember that this place is named after the fact they built the fucking wall to keep the, keep the Lenape Indians out of this place. So when you're sitting here having your drinks, I want you to remember that there was a wall built up to keep native people out, but you're not keeping us out anymore. You know? And I was like, and I'd like to wish everyone happy Hanukkah. And I was like, my, my Jewish producer here, uh, Garrett, I was like, I was told we had to have one on the crew. <laughs> I just like go off and I'm just hammered. Brit is like, so freaked out. She's like, Oh my, because I was slurring. <laughs> my mom's man. But like all of slurring like, is probably better. What? That's the slurring is probably uh yeah, that's beneficial. But I it was weird because like I had people going like, oh, but then like Quest Love comes up to me afterwards and he's like, dude, that was a fucking speech. <laughs> like gave me a hug. And then like an agent called me that I was in a dark place, like depressed. Like, did I fuck my career up? An agent, like this agent who's now my agent, like called me the next day. And he was just like, I was sitting next to like Richard, Richard uh, Dinklage. And he was like, we were fucking dying laughing during the speech. And we talked about it for 10 minutes afterwards. And we were like, this is why we do this shit, man. Oh. This is do this shit and then I, I was on a panel like a couple weeks later or a couple days later and this dude was like in the middle of the panel he was like who's the creator of blind spotting he was, or, or uh uh blind spotting yes and uh he was uh he was like um dude he was like i gotta say sterling he was like that's how you give a motherfucking speech <laughs> And so, like, I don't know, like, uh, it was like one of these things where I was like, I, I was just like, not in the right place and dealing with anxiety. And then it all came out and people loved it or hated it yeah. or whatever, you know, it'll be there forever. <laughs> and that's the thing is, and that's, I think that's what's, um, that's what can be debilitating about our, our, um, like social media kind of, kind of impulses, right? Is that, it's a record of all of this sort of stuff. It's a platform to express anything, but it's also accessible to anybody who has access to it. Right. right. So like whether you, 
like put value on it or not, you see it. It's it, it comes into your feed, you know, um, one way or another. I don't know. It's so complicated. No, I saw I saw a clip of it of the speech. I saw it. It was like trending on tip. I I wanted. I haven't seen the speech uh, uh, presentation. I'll send it to you. Yeah, send <laughs> send me that. Uh, but like I don't know. Like it was something that like I don't know. It was real. I was dealing with shit. You know, I was, I was in a dark. I was I was like, um, I was like my life was changing. My life was flipped upside down, and I was like right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and literally, I'm not lying. Like when I say that, it sounds dramatic, but like my life was flipped upside down. No, I I remember talking to you after that. I remember the impact of all of this sort of stuff. I remember you saying you were in a dark place, and those words don't hit on me in the way that they should. You right. know, because I'm like. Because you feel nothing anyway, and because I feel because I'm unmoved. (laughs) (laughs) Unmoved, Chinupa. Unmoved, Chinupa. No, because the the um, a dark place is not the description of the depth of emotional experience that you're having. A dark place is a is a two word way to express something that's like deep and profound and i don't know what you mean when you say i'm in a dark place like uh uh i put too much honey in my coffee this morning and i went to a dark place you know mm-hmm. like okay yeah honey's never done that to anybody. <laughs> honey's never done that to anybody and like the dark place that's used to describe i'm like i don't know i don't know what dark place that is you know like, no but i think that you have a thing in you that is avoidant like to people's darkness right like you have a thing that is like i feel nothing you feel nothing let's not feel nothing together well what i what i have is and this is you know this is um i have like brain damage from a long time ago and rewired some shit so i have uh my empathy uh things are a little here's the thing is like i feel like if 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 i was in a dark place Huh? And I had, and I have, I have a, I have a, I have a spectrum of friends. There's you friends call, that I can call that. I have, no, 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 I have friends that I could call and tell them I'm in a dark place, and they'd be like, "Oh, so what, what's happening? Like, let me know." And we would get into the deep thing that was the dark place. But then I have a friend like you, and I'm just as close to you as the other one. But if I told you I'm in a dark place, you'd be like, "Uh, yeah, it sucks." Like we could talk about it, but then you're like, "All right, let's like have a good, you know, like not a good time, like, but like, let's laugh about some stuff, right?" Yeah, we would yeah. laugh about some stuff, you know, which is just as like helpful as the other friend digging deep with me. It's just as helpful you like making me laugh. And, I'll bring some brevity to a dark place, right? And and enjoy the brevity of the situation, like for real. Like it's it's both helpful, but like. Yeah, if I'm putting the wallow in it, you're not the guy I call. Don't call me in the wallow. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll still make a joke. Like you, you could literally be sitting there in your underwear with like shit smeared on your chin, and I'd be like, like you have joke. shit on your chin. Yeah, yeah. There's something. <laughs> you like, you have shit on your chin. What are you doing? You would like you wouldn't want to know why I have shit on my chin <laughs> or any. <laughs> Is an elephant in the room? 
and a turd on your chin. What is There's it? a turd on your chin. I can, I can tell it's a turd. It's not yeah. like a stain. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. You is need to get to writing. Is that a good place that, to end it? That's or? how we end it. We end it with the shit on your chin. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I mean, this was great to like catch up with you and respond. I know you're in the middle of doing uh, writing season three and starting all of that prep stuff. You got a lot of work to do or, you know, towards that. Um, but uh, I wish I would have talked to you earlier after the other one, after season two. Um, oh. But I think that there is, you know, this was nice because I actually got to chop it up with with uh, my friend Sterling, not yeah. the the showrunner Sterling, you know. I know. Uh, um, I felt, when I came into this, my energy was. I'm Sterling. I'm not showrunner Sterling. Yeah, like I totally. Was, and I, I, I came into this with um, I'm radio host Chinupa. Right. Talking to my friend Sterling. WKRP um, in Cincinnati. Totally, totally. <laughs> so, so I was like, be cool, be chill, let him, let him talk. Um, right. But uh, I always enjoy these things and. You are a friend of mine, and I think I don't have a whole lot of like, uh, um, yeah, like close male friends. I'm I'm glad to call you one of them, and uh, it's been great catching up. I think it would suck if this is what our relationship looked like, uh, yeah. Zoom wise. But because it's already been several years since we've actually hung out, um, I'm glad we got this. Yeah, so, me too. I love yeah. you, brother. I love you too, Sterling. Thanks for thanks for chopping it up. I hope we do get to hang out again. Oh, let's do it soon. Yeah. Is there any is there anything that you want to leave it with? Because we did leave it with a turd uh, on your chin. Turd on my chin. Um, no, In a I mean, dark like, place. No, I mean, I, you know, it's I I like when Ginger wrote me about this. I was like, I don't know. Like, there's a um, I don't have many people that I want to like keep continuing a conversation with because like I know that you and I can do we could do a thousand of these and we mm -hmm. would go to places that either we need to hear or people need to hear or whatever and there's it's an endless like well of like because like that's what our relationship is like we do this i know you know if we're hanging out like in santa monica or fucking england or new mexico wherever we end up we're always like kind of like chopping it up like this so like it's kind of like a perfect friendship scenario to do this with so like it's perfect um so i'm always excited to do it every time ginger brings it up i'm like fuck yeah let's keep doing it like whatever <laughs> you know like i don't even fucking record my podcast anymore but like i'll do this you know so yeah um which i'm gonna start the podcast again so are you yeah i want to do like a um i want to start it off with a um a sort of behind the scenes of res dog season one and season two just like talking about each episode sometimes mm. bringing bring on the writers or actors or different people um to talk about the experiences of that just kind of like go through that you know bring so. on that world famous gaffer that sounds like a conversation oh, i'm gonna bring him on for sure he's great yeah what's his name again steve mathis fucking steve mathis. don't watch uh anything from the movies that made us the movies that made us either Halloween or back to the future. And you'll see Steve Mathis there. He's got a earring that is a uh, paper clip, but has a heart on the end of it. He always wears that really interesting dude. And, and it's only, it's only, it's, it's what I find. Like, I remember 
you being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one the first time that you were here and you were outside and there was a white guy out there talking to you about like native history. Mm-hmm. And like and there was another guy that was like smoking hash, like wanted to like give you some hash. And you told me you were like, holy fuck, like if this were happening back home in like South Dakota and someone there was hash involved and a white guy and an Indian, like someone would get stabbed. <laughs> and 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 I was like, but you're in Oklahoma, like it's like so different and like weird. And like Steve Mathis is like one of the best versions of an Oklahoma white guy that you can meet because he's just like, you know, he shows up on set always with like a hat that says you're on Indian land, you know? And like, he's just like dope as fuck loves Indians. Like just fucking a good old boy grew up with Indians, knows Indians. And just like, you know, like, so is like, you know, ally to the, of the degree, but it's not <laughs> like an ally who's talking about it on fucking Facebook. Right. Dude. That's making, it's like, I'm going to make this fucking show reservation dogs. Cause it's changing shit, you know, mm. like, and I want nothing from it, you know. <laughs> right? I mean, like here's a here's a story about Steve Mathis. He came up to me, and we have interns sometimes on our show. And he, we had an intern that was native, and he said um, he came to me and he said, "Hey, man, um, I have an intern that I want to teach how to do electric, and she's native." And he was like, "But she has to quit her job." to do this and they don't have money they're not paid internships and he was like i just like want to make it good for her you know and i was like send me what you would need to pay her on the days that she's going to be here and i'll pay it Mm. and so he's like dope done he sent me like what we would need to pay her to like pay to like what she would lose from her job and like everything and like a little extra to be there just fucking you know like wrote her a check and he gave it to her and like just to like make sure that she could be there to learn you know and like that's the type of dope dude he is he's just like i don't give a fuck about corporate whatever we're gonna hook her up because she needs to learn you know and she's yeah that's cool yeah (laughs) that's awesome all right all right brother i love you man stay up late get work done i will cheers sleep on the couch i am there's ghosts (laughs) (laughs) love you (laughs) i love you too peace man